You know, like sure. just it's much quicker to just sweep than just vacuum every. Two I feel days. like all I do is sweep and vacuum up my daughter and my my wife's hair. <laughs> yeah, it's just infested, an infested house. Um, all right, you ready? Yeah. How do you normally do? Do, do I do you normally just start out with uh, yeah, the introduction? Yeah, I have this big elaborate uh, introduction where it goes, "Hey guys, welcome to this one time. Today my guest is John Palmer. Welcome." All right. Well, thank you for having me on. <laughs> That was uh, pretty elaborate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, very over the top. Yeah, um, but no, just uh, just stay on top of the mic and oh, yeah. um, let's get, have some good conversation, man. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for wanting to do this. Um, I know we have talked about it before, and recently you approached me, and you were kind of one of the driving forces to for me to get going again because. Um, you know, it took a backseat. The podcast took a backseat to COVID, which is kind of like the opposite of what people did. Whereas like everybody was stuck at home and they're like, hey, I'm gonna start a podcast. And, you know, at work, we're sold out of any recording equipment for, you know, weeks and weeks on end. And I went the opposite way. <laughs> I just felt like I had a lot more on my plate. It was a lot more stress I wasn't used to. Sure. Um, and had a, had more of like a hands on day to day with my kids, which was a great thing. Um, but definitely didn't allow me what I normally would do, um, in my personal endeavors. But, um, thanks for, uh, for a coming on and pushing me to get this going again. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I really think people are going to enjoy listening to how that mind works. Should we call it a DC mind or should we call it just, cause you, you've lived all over the place. Can you, I guess, can you tell the folks um, what you, what your passions in life are and what you do. Sure. I, I mean, do you want me to start from the, just the beginning or just, hey, or just, just picture us? Unfortunately, we don't have any alcohol in front of us but, <laughs> or, or, or a proper joint, but, um, um, yeah, just like if we were hanging out and I'm just like, Hey John, what's up, man? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Well, I'm not shy and, and this is, this is, you know, and, and I do appreciate you saying that. And this is very interesting for me and I, you know, uh, I thought, you know, I like to talk about things that aren't just, uh, I don't know, banal in nature. You know, yeah, things you're like not a very th- like small talk guy. Y- you kind of come through with like a like a curveball where I'm like, whoa, OK, let's get into this, you know, which I love. You know, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, so I think people are going to see that. It's more it's just more fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, the, you <laughs> know, and, that, and that's really what my life has been. It's just, uh, you know, I've kind of arranged my life in a way i'll get to kind of my background in a moment but 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 just you know how i've my goal as an adult uh even before i was an adult and and i'll I'll explain how all this came to be uh is really to be put myself in a position where i really don't have to do anything i don't want to do ever you know what i mean everything i've done is somehow related to that and so uh you know, and I like to, you know, kind of borrow from Louis C.K., another comedian. I know he's not too popular right now, but the one point is that you always, you always have a trump card. If you absolutely don't want to do something, you can always kill yourself. You can only do it one time, but, but, but you never, there's never a reason why you have to do something that you absolutely don't want to do ever in life. Like yeah. that you, you've got one out, you know what I mean? Now, that doesn't appeal to me. You know what I mean? So I'd rather do it like in a, a better way, you know, like putting myself in a position to do something that I love and have that be my job you know i don't ever stop working i don't really ever start working it's it, it's when i'm when i'm awake my job is in my my i'm employed at guitar center as an instrument lessons instructor for guitar and bass and all of my 
that that takes care of my needs in life. You know, I, I earn a wage that pays for my house and my food and my car and the things that the things that I want. And um, but the reason for that is because I don't really want to do anything else. And it's the same <laughs> yeah. thing I do at home. And, and that's why, you know, my students and stuff will ask me, you know, if it, you know, they'll send me little text, little questions, you know, throughout the week, if they forget something, I'm, you never bother me because if I'm not doing this with you, I'm doing it with my cats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it just doesn't stop. I, I, you know, after I, as soon as I finish drinking the coffee, then, then I'm in the room and I'm reading, either reading articles on how to teach. It all relates, even if it's not necessarily specifically related to music or not related to music, uh, specifically an article or an in- piece of information specifically about music. It relates in some way because everything relates. Yeah. Everything's the same. And it's, you know, could be something, uh, how to relate to people better, how to deliver the message. It's kind of the delivery system when you're teaching and when you're, when you're giving information and there's different types of learners. And so when you, when you can identify that and you can get information peop- into people, oftentimes without them really realizing it, you know what I mean? That's kind of the goal. And, you know, I, maybe it might be a good time to kind of back up because people might get a little confused on how I kind of came to this. It's not, this, I'm not going to take credit for, for almost all of any of this. You know yeah. what I mean? I, you know, just a couple of kind of some things that I think that are just kind of, let's maybe, maybe establish some basic premises just with me, how I feel about things. You know what I mean? I think that, you know, who we are in life is a combination of a, a, an almost immeasurable amount of factors, just, just our personalities, our personalities, whether you think you're original or not, you know, you're not <laughs> at sure. all, at all. Yeah. Everything, all of our personalities are nothing more than a combination of traits of every trait that we've admired or liked from everyone we've ever come in contact with. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. We are an amalgam of everyone that we like or the things that we like about everyone that we've ever known, even, even if it's someone that we didn't know, if someone that we knew in some peripheral manner could be an actor that you liked. You know what I mean? Like you, you pick up mannerisms, people that, that you admire in some way, you know, whether that's your father, your parents, your friends, you know what I mean? That's just, you know, and so, so that's kind of a premise number one. Mm -hmm. So we're not really responsible for most of our good points or our bad. You know what I mean? Really? We're not, you know what I mean? And I think that when you, uh, when you come to that conclusion, it makes you a humble person because you realize that your successes in life are have very little to do with your own industry oftentimes. Do you know what I mean? All we, like, like just it's, you know, both you and I are in the music business. So we'll use that kind of, but it's an analogy. It could be an analogy for really anything. Everything works the same way. Mm-hmm. So uh, what was I saying? I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, honestly, I apologize. No, no, it, you were kind of touching on what I was going to say is what Sam Harris will also kind of uh, put out there that there is no true free will. We're, you're kind of dancing around that because you're almost the combination, the, the accumulation of all your previous histories, even genetics, all that kind of takes into account on whether you'll be more... Um, what's that more daredevilish or, or more risky in life in general. Sure. Um, but yeah, you're, you're kind of dancing around that topic where there might not be free will, but I think you're not going that far. You're, you're basically just saying that our personalities are, are formulated around what we have taken in already to this point, And you kind of make that into who you are, yeah. but you're not entirely original. No. And I think, and I think that's a combination of organic factors, unconscious factors and conscious factors. And then again, and I think too, you know, I, I sometimes go off on a little tangent, but it'll relate, you know? Yeah. And so, 
I, this kind of remind me of another point that I've I've always been kind of an observer. You know, I mean, that's been my job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, and so I think that oftentimes people radically underestimate how complex everything is in mm-hmm. some ways. But the, in in the same way, I kind of start. I find myself sounding more and more like a Buddhist the older I get, and my students hate it because it's like I don't really ever <laughs> give them a straight answer. But at the same time, it's easy. You know, the, oftentimes the answer is very very easy, mm-hmm. but going about it might take a while it's it, it there might be a number of different things like for me um maybe i'll slowly just you know i'll get to a full background in a moment but i don't have any problem saying this for most of my life you know i'm 46 years old from the time i was 15 to 40 i was a very 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 active severe alcoholic you know what i mean and so what is what is severe i guess to somebody I mean, I, I'm a pretty avid drinker myself, so I'm like, am I severe? But what's what's your history with being severe? It, I guess getting to the point where there's really nothing else I wanted to do, and it ruled my life, and towards the end there, I couldn't stop. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't stop. I'd wake up the next day. The DTs were so bad. I, I, I And my metabolism is so... I'm 5'10 and 130 pounds, and my metabolism is rocket fast. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't drink fast enough, I'd actually start going through DTs if I just nursed a drink, you know, towards the end oh, there. Shit. You know what I mean? Like the last year, maybe year I drank, maybe two years, I'd actually start going to DTs if I just couldn't pound liquor. Just you know what I mean? Away, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, um, so that, you know, going through that. So the answer to that problem is easy. Quit drinking. <laughs> right the answer is easy you know what i mean like right but yeah. but but it's yeah but going about that requires a number of other things because you've got to look at what you know when you get into recovery program recovery whatever it's from very little the which whatever it is that's your problem whatever it is you're addicted to is just a symptom of a lot of other things mm-hmm. i mean that's just how you've dealt with it and so mm-hmm. My problem was not the fact that I drank. That was that. I mean, that was one of my problems. But the the the, the biggest problem was I wasn't a functioning person. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know that that used alcohol. That that was what I used to medicate myself. And so, you know, successfully stopping drinking required me to become a better person and fix my flaws. You know, as much as I could. You know, and 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 a program of recovery. An effective one doesn't preach perfection. It's like we're not going to be perfect. All we can do is just try. You know, that we can do the best we can every day and mm-hmm. appreciate the things. And I and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I was an alcoholic because normal people don't have to go through this rigorous process of introspection to become a functioning person because they function. However, there's not a pressing need. However, everyone needs to improve themselves. But if, you, if you're not addicted to something, if your life isn't getting ruined, if you're not losing your possessions, if you're not ruining your relationships, then nothing's staring you in the face saying that you have to be a more patient person. Yeah. So it's funny, my recovery buddies, not, you know, so I, I have some friends that have recovered and I have friends that are what people in recovery call normies. You know, people that, mm-hmm. that are, just drink normally, you know, just, just not, a, and I'm not one of these people that, is against it. You know, it's not good for me. I can't do it. But I think alcohol is one of the greatest things ever people figured out how to make. I love it. You know what I mean? If I could drink it and stop, I would do it. I'd do it right now. You know what I mean? If I could stop. But, you know, I can't do it anymore. Um, But I am glad because I don't know that I would have 
worked on myself. I don't know. There would have not, there might not have been a need to me. You, I would have. You didn't I, have that need for, like you said, you didn't have that adversity to become, to become a better person. With yeah. Because without that challenge, maybe you just go, you know, living your normal life and not experiencing anything that would let you be more self-introspective. Sure. Yeah. I'd be one of those people that gets mad because the line's taking too long at Walmart or because <laughs> someone's in front of them. And, you know, like, you know, it's funny. You see these people. It's funny how people, the stigma that goes along with like addiction, when people that make it through it are much better people. Like, it's funny. I, I watch people. I First of all, it's like a vampire. I can tell who's an addict, who's not before they, they even know it. You oh, know really? what I mean? Yes. I can tell you. Do you, wait, hold on. So hold on. Do you see like maybe physical tics? Um, it's just, you just. Like posture. Well, that's the uh, obvious skin. stuff. No, I can just tell by someone's personality who's going to, who, who, who is, who is predisposition, predispositioned or predisposed rather to addiction. I can tell you, I can even, I can list, I can go, everyone that you and I know together, I can tell you whether they could, they have the potential to be an addict or not. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that, I think most addicts could, I'm not bragging. I'm just yeah. saying it just, it just, you recognize it takes one or no one, right? Yeah. So you, sure. there's just a, there's something about us. You're like, oh, I feel, I feel you, buddy. I feel yeah. you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I, I, you know, I could tell, like, it doesn't mean they ever will. You know what I mean? It's a lot of, again, but, uh, you know, so it it the rest of the world looks like they're chasing their tails in this lower level of garbage mm-hmm. and things that are unimportant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and when you 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 when you have lost everything, um, I did when I first moved out to Arizona. I I moved out with a suitcase of a couple clothes. I left a behind a house in Washington D.C. that was extremely nice. It was one of those places where you walk in, you're like. It's here. You know what I mean? Like, this, it was one of those kind of houses. The last place I lived in D.C., it could have been the ambassador to Nigeria's house, dude. I'm serious. It wasn't huge, but it was nice inside. It had yeah. really nice... I mean, I had antique instruments. What? Just, it was gone. You know what I mean? Like, and it what was... Were you, what were you doing in D.C.? I mean, that's where you grew up. Yeah, and I, that, that's... I, you know, I was working at the time. I was teaching, playing music full-time, and... Mm. Uh, got burnt out i was just my alcoholism was getting out of control uh it got to the point where i had no fun unless i was drinking so everything that i did in life was just i was just kind of waiting for it to end i didn't enjoy any of it didn't appreciate any of it at all you know what i mean i had i had a life where again i had the life i have now where i didn't have to do anything i didn't want to do ever you know what i mean i, I taught music and i played music mm-hmm. every day back then i was actual working musician i played 11 gigs a week uh because I played three on Saturdays and Sundays. So I did a brunch, a matinee, and a nightclub show. And then every night during the week, Monday through Friday, I had regular gigs, uh, Monday, Wednesday night, Thursday and Friday night. And then Tuesday would be like a floater. And sometimes we'd play like old folks homes, like at, you know, seven o'clock, I still did night. So anyway, you know, don't want to go off on a really long tangent, but that's what I was kind of doing. And I've done that since I was a teenager and I just gotten extremely burnt out and the alcohol and uh also just not happy there it's a dc is a much different place it's a much different place um east coast cities are different places than 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 west coast it's a you know and like i kind of kind of if you just look at some numbers just for a moment just to kind of put it into perspective like Mm -hmm. uh let's say the other day dc is roughly half the size of mesa with roughly 10 times as what it's 10 times the population there's 5.15 million people right now in dc and there's 537,000 27,000 in mesa yeah right so 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 it's different there you know what i mean people are up intense they're in a hurry it's hard to do everything um 
The cold will get you too. Yeah, and the cold. And that's another thing. I was just was tired of the winter. I was tired of the agitation. Maybe a better way to put it, a shorter way to put it this is that you really have to put a lot of effort into being a nice person in a place like DC. Because <laughs> the, the the social acceptable standards of behavior are different. Like yeah. like it's okay to pop off. Like it's mm. nothing like you'd be in line at a grocery store and <clears throat> then line next over you two people start cussing each other out and almost come to fights that's just what happens at the grocery store that's nothing unusual that's mm-hmm. how i grew up i grew up with you know what i mean that's how people are you know what i mean the instant a light turns green the honking starts mm-hmm. it's just normal you know what I mean? when i first moved here it took me about six months to relax like just to just to just to fit in with people here and it and i was so shocked at how nice people were i had to call my sister back home and uh you know tell her something like you know like someone uh thank me for coming to the store. I didn't even buy anything. They're like, what is their problem? You know, like, it's like, you know, like I've said this before, it's like people back home, if they're nice, they're, they're working you for something. Because, yeah. you know, it's a place, not only is it a, a place where there's a lot of people, anytime you have a ton of people, there's people that are able to work people. You know, yeah. it's a game to be played. But it's also one of the most popular tourist destinations on the planet. I mean, at any point, there's 5.15 million people that live in D.C., but at any given day, there's at least 500 extra thousand people there that are just there from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And, and so those are the, you know, so there's kind of a feeling out process with, you know, not really evil predators, but basically rip-off artists and con-off artists because initially they're going to think you're a tourist. So you've got to get over uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then immediately you shut that down. You're like, no, I live here, bro. You know well, what I mean? Well, especially because you're a, a white gentleman and D.C. is largely a uh, black population. Yeah, that that, that, that lives there, yeah. um, you know, permanent residents. It wasn't always like that. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other interesting story on why that is. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's like that more now. I haven't been back home in... Uh, 11 years, my mother said it's become completely gentrified. It's not that I wouldn't recognize it. So really? it wouldn't surprise me if that's a lot different, you yeah. know, than, than it was. I mean, um, than, than the bulk of my life. I lived there for 33 years. Uh, I moved here two months before my 34th birthday. Um, the six months prior to that, I lived in St. Lucia, which is the uh, farther, farthest easternmost island in the Caribbean. Um, it's an hour ahead of Eastern time, Eastern standard time. Yeah. And so out in, it's a pretty much kind of out in the Atlantic, you know, um, wait, it's one of the first places to get hit by any sort of hurricane coming through. Yeah. Although I, I, I didn't experience it when I was there, but I wasn't there really. I, I, I would, my contract ran out, uh, before really the monsoon, monsoon season started, you know, like the hurricane season yeah. is more like here, like the later part of the summer. So I was there mm-hmm. from about January to June in 2008 which is hilarious. I mean, you know, there's 150 people, 50,000 people that live out in that country. Mm-hmm. So it's just small. And, and so, you know, so I was a, you know, teacher at the St. Lucian Academy of Music, which is just a kind of a small little building, looks like a rec center, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. got a fancy name, but uh, myself in the, in the, the, I'm doing air quotes, like a dork, the principal, you know, it was just another drinking buddy of mine. Like, like, <laughs> Uh, we'd have to go around in that Caribbean rum, huh? We'd never get my hands on like, so you know what I mean? Like, so, but we'd have to go around up all the kids, like in the city, the little town was on the top of the hill in the one city, Castries, which is the capital, which is looks, I mean, if you could call it a city, I mean, but we have to go find them, find the students. There's only 20 kids and we just have to go track them down. Okay. Well, where's this guy? Okay. He's over there playing. Okay. Let's go. You guys want to play music today? And just, it's island time, dude. I would show up at like 11. We'd round them up by 1230. We'd play for two hours. Then we'd go screw around for the rest of the day. You know what I mean? It's like, 
I, they don't even have addresses there. Like you just like if you order pizza, you just describe where your house is. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's so little because there's 150,000 people. Wow. Half of them live on a tiny little tip of the northern part of the island, and the other half live on the southern tip. And in between is a rainforest. Mm-hmm. So everyone knows each other. It's like, and it's okay. Just if you there's only one road that's paved, and that's the highway that circles the entire island. Oh, Did I knock? That's okay. I think yeah. it's okay. Yeah, but. Right. Uh, and it's only one lane. It's two lanes, one one each way. And mm-hmm. it's okay to just stop your car if you see your friend going the other way and talk to him for a while. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> and when they're done, traffic resumes. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not Most people don't even have cars. It's just another thing, too. It's societal laws. It's Drinking and driving is not illegal there because there's not ever enough people driving to really hurt anybody but themselves. People die all the time from drinking and driving, but it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the kids that race their supercar. There's no, there's no restrictions on what you can do to your car either. You, I had one of these. I, I, I that the Honda. I had a Honda Civic that had a supercharger in it that went 185 miles an hour, and I could do that whenever I felt like it. What? You know what I mean? Yes, you can just go. There's no speed limit. They sell beer right at the counter at the gas stations. You know what I mean? So I'd be drinking a couple beers, driving about 140 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Just just because I could. Yeah. There's no one there, and then you just slow down when there's someone. You know, it's just. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that here. There's just too many people on the road. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just interesting. Like, uh, anyway, I know I'm kind of all over the place. But I love let, it. Let me just maybe talk about just a brief history, just so people kind of know who I am and a little bit. Like, I did grow up in Washington D.C. Uh, moved here when I was 33. I didn't wasn't really happy there for a number of reasons for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, just just mostly you know weather. I just really started getting really tired of the cold. Never really could tolerate it that well, you know. And it, it always bothered me. I always was just miserable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so funny that what is it? Seasonal affective disorder. It's, yeah. it's the acronym is sad. That's that cry has always cracked me up. <laughs> anyway, so but <laughs> but I think it's more has to do with my people. You know, I I don't know if you could tell this about me, but I'm of primarily you know Roman Catholic descent, Irish. Okay. Yeah. I see that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, they, and, and I think that they should amend that ethnic designation to be you know irish catholic alcoholic is really what it is you know northern <laughs> european people are some of the biggest alcoholics on the planet for sure yeah just that it's jury where they come from it's always cold and it's always raining mm-hmm. you know what i mean it, it sucks all the time you know what i mean it's like if it sucked where you were all the time you'd want to drink too you yeah, know what i mean exactly. so uh you know so you know my family is too I, it, again it would be easier to tell you the people that weren't addicts or alcoholics than were you know the people mm-hmm. that are still alive the people that live past early 60s stop, you know what I mean? The, the, you know, in my family, the people that don't die, you know, uh, uh, are young, real young, yeah. some of them, you know. Catches and, up. Yeah, and so that's just the way it is. My mom uh, is one of the few that's not. Like, she just, it just, it skipped her. You know what I mean? It's both sides of the family, too. You know, but my mom's side of the family is just nothing but drunks. My father's side of the family, nothing but drunks. And I don't say that in a negative way. You know, these people are very nice people that, they just drink. They became drink alcoholics, and and most of them don't anymore. Be, and, the, and again, the ones that didn't stop are, are no longer with us. Yeah. One one way or another, they stop. You know what I mean? Eventually, they punched their card. Yeah, and uh, my father did. My father stopped when he was thirty five. Hasn't had anything. Uh, my dad's seventy now. He doesn't take a single medication for anything. He's healthier than I am. You know. Wow. Um, but um. Briefly, just wanted to kind of finish a. I don't, I don't mean to digress the conversation too long, but I do want to say that 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 thing that, that you know we 
if we're going to ask for a pass, this is what we get, what got me started thinking about alcoholism and recovery. And if we're going to ask for a pass for our negatives and the mistakes that we made, and we're going to ask for understanding for the things that we do poorly, and we're going to ask for forgiveness, then it's got to work the other way too. If, if, if our mistakes aren't entirely our fault, then our successes aren't entirely our to do to our industry either, yeah. equally. Mm-hmm. And I know this. I know this for a fact. I was taught this when I was a kid. I, was, I had tremendous music teachers when I was a kid. I'm extremely fortunate. Uh, my father and mother are both of them incredibly intelligent people and well-educated people. Um, and so I never lacked for information ever in my life. I, ne- I was taught at a very young age how to think critically and logically Mm-hmm. in a nice way, you know, and in a very loving way, and was put with two music teachers that were incredibly gifted people, just, just who I spent maybe a, a tenth of my time with them. I mean, I studied with both of them for well over a decade, and I spent a, maybe a tenth of the time actually talking about music. They taught me how to be a person, you know what I mean, yeah, how to huge. do this, you know what I mean, how to be a person. You can't have enough teachers in life that can teach you that. And a good teacher, the things that they teach you, will last forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Though you I, I will never forget the things that that Victor was my upright based more of a technician. He was a Soviet uh defector. Is he still lives, he's still alive. And then Paul Wingo was I studied music theory, music law, music analysis and ear training. We never touched instruments. Is I don't, music law like in reference to like the music business? No, music law is in the references is that you know, there is music theory in science and then there's music law just as much as there is in science and that people don't understand that. And we'll get to that real soon. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but uh I'd like to just get to that in a moment here. Yeah. But um you know, so there's things that both of them and my father and people that taught my mother, things that people taught me when I was 12, 11, 13, 14, 15, things they said to me that I'm, I, I still understand to this day fully, you know, mm-hmm. even more so than I did. And they knew that. They knew that I wouldn't grasp a lot of the stuff. Now, you're planting a seed. Then, but yeah, yeah then. Yeah. And, uh, but they were very adamant about that. And that's when I started noticing that the really, truly great musicians, just like the great anythings, are the people that are humble because they know that they're, the only thing they do is practice. Yeah. That's the only thing that I did... If people think that I, that I do this well, whether I teach or I perform or I play music well, the only thing, the only part I had to do with it is I just liked it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Liked you it enough I mean? to put in the time. Which was not, I put in a tremendous amount of time, but I really, looking back at it, don't think I really needed to. To be honest with you, I just, I, I just never did anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to do that to be really good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or to be good. You don't really have to take a lot of time. I just would rather have done that you know what i mean but uh so there was a very real sense that we're no more than just a third of the process the other people that you play with are just as much to do with your successes as you and also the people that are listening are inspiring you because they want to be entertained and you want to entertain them they don't want to see you play poorly they don't want to see Mm -hmm. you be nervous you know what i mean and so at best at best and i don't even think it's this much but at best i'm a third responsible for my successes at best, you know what I mean? And I don't even think that much, you yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, and <clears throat> so just kind of starting with that's the way I feel about things, then it leads you to humility. And I learned it, and I started seeing this. I, you know, my father was a musician, is a musician. And, uh, you know, my earliest memories are going to his rehearsals just because it was his 
it's just that my mom didn't have to watch me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and my sister, my sister, I, I don't even know if my sister even remembers this. We were some of this stuff when we first started going there. <clears throat> and uh, my sister and I would just stay in the living room. And this is, you know, there were dude houses. My dad was young. My mom was 21 when I was born and my father was 24. So when I was four and going to his rehearsals, he was a young man, younger than you, 28. Yeah. Almost 20 years younger than I am now. You know what I mean? And so his buddies were 21. I mean, so my sister and I would essentially just hang upstairs and read Penthouse Magazine <laughs> and have no idea what we were looking at until it was time for my dad to finish playing music. I mean, listen and play music. Yeah. And then as soon as I was able to hold a guitar, then they let me come and turn down Merlot and just play along. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I don't remember really learning some basic stuff on guitar. I just, you know what I mean? I just, just kind of like, I love my dad so hey, you're much. mimicking it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I didn't, it doesn't mean I did it well, but, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? There's certain things I could, you know, so I developed the ability at a very young age to kind of, finger read so to speak you know what i mean i could see people's hands and i could mimic what they did Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's Mm -hmm. my early all of my early learning was really just copying we'd go to dc is a place where there's music at every restaurant pretty much every night of the week it's just part of the culture Mm -hmm. um so i would just watch the musicians and i would i would go home and 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 replicate as best as i could what what i'd seen that night and um you know that was my introduction to music and then my teachers you know like i said paul I studied with him for, I said, well, over a decade, the only time I ever saw him touch an instrument was if I played a gig with him or went to go see him play a gig. So I studied with a music teacher. We didn't, neither of us ever touched instruments. It was completely the, in, in, in the spiritual, analytical, mm-hmm. logical, scientific world of music. We did analysis. We, we studied film, or film scores, uh, sheet music, uh, symphonies. I'd have to go through an entire symphony, analyze every single note, what it was, describe it, categorize it, the key changes, the time changes. Wow. You know, ear training. had tapes and tapes and tapes of intervals. And so you just play intervals. I'd have to pick out, like, dun, dun, dun that's perfect fifth. You know, like, dun, dun, octave. You know what and I mean? Like, did you find joy in doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It, it, I, you know, this is another thing. I don't really have fun doing something unless I go nuts all out on it. Yeah. And the other things, I haven't only done music in my life. I've gotten other activities. I rode motorcycles for years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, you still love target shooting. You know what I mean? Like, like okay. you know, I've, you know, Marksman. Marksmanship. Yeah, yeah, good at it. My grand, my mother, my maternal grandfather was a career FBI agent. And so with I, my, my mom, I don't think you know this at all, but I've been shooting guns since I was about five years old with granddad. So I don't think he ever told her ever. Yeah. I don't think she thinks that ever happened. But but because my mom is you know a hippie, my parents are that age. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know. But at any rate, I guess he thought that it was important, <laughs> right? <laughs> that I at least know how to shoot at a mountain. I mean, we didn't shoot anything. We were in North Carolina. I think I think it's important to get uh, kids familiar with what it is, not just say don't do it and never touch and don't look at it. Oh yeah, you create that curiosity. Sure, and I wasn't carrying guns at five. No, I, I was under his supervision. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and and you know, but uh, sorry, keep it in the mic here. But um, so you know, there's just some some kind of premises. I think if you if you really want to have it, you know, if anyone's really interested in the way I think or what I feel or, or at all in any way, I think that it, it's important to kind of establish just some basic premises or basic truths or starting points of where I kind of start to, where I, what I consider when I'm coming up with an opinion or way that I feel about the things that I think about. Um, and, that, and I mean, beautiful for you to pre- uh, preface it that way too, because I don't think enough people 
put emphasis on why they believe what they do or how they come to that conclusion. They just, well, this is how I feel and blah, here you go. And they don't actually analyze the points that allow them to make that final judgment in that point in time. Um, so maybe people listening to this that don't take the time to do that will kind of sit back and maybe analyze their own thoughts uh, on, on why they, you know, act or go about their life in the way they do. Sure. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I think opinion, I think that's, that's you know, I'll, I'll, I'll respect, even if I dis- disagree, like, in a way that I never thought that I could with someone. I'll respect an opinion always if I can tell that they put some effort into it. Mm-hmm. They don't have to study for years on it. Mm-hmm. But just because it makes sense to me is not good enough for me. Do you know what I mean? If something, if you tell me something, you feel a certain way about something because it's just whatever the, happens to make the most sense to you, then I'm not going to correct you at all or think any less of you, but I absolutely will not talk to you about that at all. Like if you start talking to me, I'll just listen to you, but I, I, that's not going to be something that, that you and I are, that's, that's not going to be a, 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 re, a reciprocal conversation yes. or a conversation that's reciprocated. I'm just going to be listening to, to your ignorant opinion. <laughs> You're along for the ride at yeah, that point. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just, okay. You know, so, you know, and that, that happens. I mean, we're not going to agree with everyone in life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially now. I mean, just, you know, without naming names, you know, our country's bitterly divided over a couple people that I can think of right now. Right. For sure. You know, and so, but you know, I know people that are on both sides and I know both people that are on both sides for reasons that I don't think are, let me put this in a better way. I'm, I, I, it's not for me to say what someone's opinion should be or shouldn't be at all or how they come to it. I believe that a person is doing themselves a favor or doing themselves a disservice by researching or not researching an opinion. You know what I mean? That's a preference that I have. I like to have an informed opinion. So for me, if I'm going to have an opinion, I'm going to learn as much as I can before I come to my conclusion. And that's not set in stone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think that's also wrong. I think that my father told me this a long time ago, that the most dangerous person on the planet it's the person that is 100% sure they're right. And I think that if you're a critically thinking person, you're constantly looking for reasons why you're wrong. Yeah. Because it's okay. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. In fact, the best thing that can happen to you is to be wrong about something. Because if you're corrected, your knowledge is increased and you're no longer making mistakes. And your life yes. is better and it's more efficient. So, you know, if someone's a Trump supporter, I personally am not. I don't hate Donald Trump. At all. I don't hate anybody. And I don't think mm-hmm. that, I don't think that he, you know, this is, I, I don't care if I get in trouble over this. I really don't think he believes a lot of his garbage. I think, I, you know what I mean? I yeah. think he's, he's, he's an entertainer. He knows and how to play to his opportunist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How do I play this? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. The issue why it's just as insidious is because the effect on the populace is the same. Whether Donald Trump believes what he says or not is irrelevant because the damage that is caused by making it okay to voice opinions that should not be okay to voice. And I I don't believe in censorship, but these are ignorant opinions. Again, these are not researched opinions. Yeah, so if there is a knock against him is, is the fact that you are in this political sea, which holds an incredible amount of weight, and you're still behaving in that way. And I think that's what a lot of people's complaints would be. Um, but some people are just hating them to hate them. Yeah. And I, I, and I agree. And I, and, and, and I, you know, I didn't, you know, I, however, I knew that 
I didn't. I told my father. It's funny. Like uh, I'll get to this this kind of trio with my father and my sister and I, and we do different things. We're pretty much the same people, but <laughs> tiny little differences, and it works out perfectly. And so I remember telling my father that you know, honestly, this is probably ultimately going to be for the best because political correctness started. This is you won't remember this one. Uh, you know. Political correctness really started in the early '90s. The political corrected, move, politically correct movement, the PC movement of making it uncool to say certain things, and I think that it was necessary. It was absolutely 100% necessary at the time. Things have changed so much in my lifetime. I don't consider myself an old person, but I've lived for almost half a century, and a lot has changed. When I was a kid, it was okay. It wasn't a hate crime. There was no such thing as a hate crime. There were just crimes. But there is a more serious sinister aspect to a hate crime than there is simply beating up someone to steal their money is different than beating up someone because they're a homosexual and stealing their money. There's an added level of of malice there that deserves to be recognized legally. You know what I mean? That's not asking for additional rights. You know what I mean? That's another thing that people confuse. Equal rights does not mean additional. And that's another, I get, remind me of that. That's, that's, that's a fundamental way that we're taught about this country when we're taught, when we we're born. And that's a lot of this, that, that's, but that's later. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Where was I before I chanted? So <laughs> well, where we were we, talking about uh, hate crime and, and that. Even before that. Okay, so in my life, political correctness. Political correctness, yeah. Okay, necessary, because you can't go around calling people faggot. I'm sorry to say that. Mm-hmm. And I'm quoting. And yes. I hope people listening don't, think of me as a bigot i don't think of myself as one and i never would say that to someone in any kind of malice or anger but if i were to say the f word you're going to know what i'm talking about just as much as i were to say the n word you might as well say it if you're going to say the n word everyone knows what word you're referring to Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so in this context if i i would never i'm not going to even test that theory out (laughs) not even going to go there you know what I mean? i'm just saying if i if i say something that might sound offensive it really isn't intended to, and I apologize beforehand, and mm-hmm. it's simply kind of quoting, or maybe to, to make a point. Yes. But that was entirely okay. Not just with amongst young boys in a locker room when I was a kid. Anywhere. You could, you could, you could, you could say the F-A-G-G-O-T word with impunity anywhere that you could say anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was not considered a bad word. You could be on an airplane. You could be in a restaurant. I can't tell you, my whole life, you know what I mean? Up until the, I was a teenager, almost 18 years old. Before that was not okay. And it took years for that to just kick in. And kind so, filter through. Yeah. now, so we, we needed, we needed, we needed to stop a gaping wound at the time, right? And how we treated people and how people deserve to be treated. So, mm-hmm. but, so we put a gigantic bandaid on it. That was political correctness, but it didn't solve the problem. Yeah. It made it livable for people. So what I told my father, I just, I knew what I thought, okay, this Donald Trump, I, th- I think one of the unintended probably benefits uh, of this is that maybe we'll actually really start to tackle the problem. And we have, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Political correctness is not the answer. It, it's only to just get us to even be able to relate to each other and stop criticizing and insulting each other. Yeah, Like the football team that I grew up loving, I'm from Washington, D.C., Finally changed her racist ass name after almost 50 years. 1972 was the first time that that name was protested. And then 1982, the first time the Redskins in my lifetime, 
If you're not a football fan, there's a thing called the Super Bowl that decides the champion of the league of the world, which is weird because it only occurs in this country. So, yeah. but anyway, so Redskins were the champions of the world, or the Washington football team now is, is what they're called. It's funny. I've wanted them to change that name for so long, and they finally have. And I can't stop calling them the goddamn Redskins. Sorry to cuss. <laughs> so anyway, but, you know, I, I, in a sense, I was a supporter of that, complicit. I didn't know Redskins was bad until yeah. uh, in 1982. I was eight years old. The Redskins went to the Super Bowl, and there was massive protests. I'm like, what's this all about? I'm like, oh, that's offensive. Oh, I didn't know that. I've got Redskins shirts on. i got hats. Go to Redskins games, watch them on TV, Washington football team games, watch them on TV. I, was, I mean, it was Joe Theismann, the quarterback, was my hero. In, yeah. fa- in fact, I met him one time, and I take a small little bit of credit for their Super Bowl victory in 82, because in 1981, real brief, I'll make this quick. <laughs> this absolutely happened. You don't believe me? I will provide you with my father's contact information, but he's just standing right behind me, rolling his eyes. <laughs> Joe Thyssen, quarterback of the Washington Redskins, was a decent player at the time. The prior year, 1981, the Redskins finished 500. They won as many games they lost. In my seven-year-old brain, that meant that they were average. If you win as much as you lose, you're average. Yeah. So here's my big opportunity to meet my football hero, Joe Thysman. I've got number seven jerseys at home. Drew pictures of him all the time. I'd sit in front of the TV and watch football and draw little cartoon scenes of what was going on. Joe Thysman throwing a pass to Art Monk. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, and that's what I did when I was a kid. And I, I, my dad would drink beer with his friends. Mm-hmm. Well, I would do that. And I'd sit in front of the TV and play. I'd either play with Star Wars guys or I'd start drawing. So here's my big chance. I get up to him and I'm like, he's like, hi, what's your name? I'm like, John, I'm looking at him like starry-eyed. This is, this is Joe Theismann right in front of me, right? Yeah. And I said, you know, the Redskins were average this year. And he goes, he looks so pissed. He, he, he goes, he finished signing my name as fast as he could, put a big point on it and slammed the pen down on the page, slid the picture over to me and said, you know what, kid? The Redskins are going to be better than average next year. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they were. They won the Super Bowl. And I know that egotistical person, because as I got older, I understood what kind of an egotistical person he is, which a lot of successful guys are. Yeah. You, you know, I think that kind of goes to territory. You want to be successful in a world like that, you got to think you're, you're, the, the sun rises and sets you nowhere, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, looking back, I know he was in training camp, that little red-headed idiot. <laughs> I'm going to prove to I'm not going to take that from an idiot like that you know and like some little <laughs> seven-year-old red-headed stepchild i'm just i'm gonna dominate this league and they did you know what i mean so anyway that's silly sorry to go from that that's a funny story <laughs> that cracks me up to this day but if Joe theisman hears this you're welcome so like <laughs> you hear that so like but uh so the political correctness so you know just to kind of get back you know like uh i told my father because that's the first person i've talked to when anything interesting happens on earth is uh you know I think this is actually going to actually maybe fix it. It might take a little while, but now it's out on the table again, and we're going to see. The ugly truth is out. Yeah. <laughs> all these people now, oh, it's okay to be like this again? This is great. I haven't been able to do this in 30 years. You mm. know what I mean? I've been able to openly hate everyone who's different from me, and 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 the reasons, it's so, if you'd like to get into that, we could if you'd like. The re- it's Those are so complex. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's fascinating. You know what I mean? And, and I guess maybe start with this. I've always been interested in, Taking care of all of their variables, right? If you, if you, if you take, if you, if you, let's take a couple examples of things, okay? Let's take yeah. music because that's been one of the 
you know, central themes of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And what makes good music. And we're getting into music law versus music theory versus psychology and things like that. If you take care of everything that you can when you're writing a piece of music, meaning that that fundamentally things are sound, you don't have weird sounding notes, you don't have weird clashes, the rhythm's good, it's tight, then the only reason someone cannot like that song is their own subjective opinion. If there's no objective reason why a song is bad, then you take care of everything that you can. And the only reason why they don't like it is because they don't like you for some reason. They don't like your guitar sound, or they don't like your drummer sound, or they don't like your voice. You can't control that, but what you can control is making sure that your melodies are good. And a lot of that stuff is is actually, I, I, I don't really want to say subliminal, but the reasons what makes good music is all science. And if you understand that, you can essentially, people will, will like your music without even understanding why. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At all. You know what I mean? Just like another suggestion, to even a lot of guys that work at the store, if you guys did one little thing, you guys would, all of you would have an easier job today and make more money. And if you want me to, I'll tell you now, or we could talk about that later. What is it? I got to know. You, you, everyone in that store, and we all do this as a society with slang. It's a tiny, tiny little thing, and you're going to think I'm a nitpicker, and you're going to think I'm old and stupid for thinking like this, but believe me, when I first was taught this, and I was taught this too, not, nothing that I'm telling you or anyone else is, uh, oh, I shouldn't say nothing, but, but <laughs> this, the, the, the seeds were planted by someone else. I can't take credit for this, yeah. right? I learned so I started working for FedEx in a corporate environment that you never demand something from a customer in any way. And demanding from a customer with the connotation normally that would carry is an aggressive demand. But it's not. If if you're on the phone with a customer and you need to put them on hold and you say, I'm going to put you on or give me a sec, any of these slangs, you're commanding that customer you're telling them what to do. If you ask them, will you allow me a moment uh, to put you on hold and I'll go check on that. It's a tiny little thing. It, it takes no more effort to do that and you are being respectful and they won't even realize if they're young, they won't real if they're young they'll think it's cool that you're treating them nice. If they're my age, <clears throat> they might not even realize it. If they're old, they're going to think, "Oh, this guy's old-fashioned. I'm I'm spending more money here. This is a guy that Makes knows sense. how to treat." I'm, I'm serious, Juan. Just sense. every little give me a it's sec. Hospitality. Give me a sec as a command. Hold on as a command. You don't command customers, especially when you're a commissioned employee because you work for Guitar Center, but you work for the customer for the duration that you're with that customer. You're yeah. a subcontractor. I would say that there's an implied actual legal contract, but if anything else, if, if at minimum there's an applied social contract that when someone goes to a store and you work there, the social contract is you help them, they make a decision, if they want something, they give you money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you're working for them, Juan. You know what I mean? As a commissioned employee, just as much as you're working for guitar, you're working for them more than you're working for Guitar Center for the time that you're with them, even though it's temporary. You are temporarily a subcontractor and your client is Joe Schmo that wants to buy a guitar, Yeah. right? So if you start telling him what to do, like that you, you, you here's the thing, you can, you can still tell them everything you want to tell them and you can make them do whatever you want without telling them what to do without them realizing it. It's easy, it's, people are easy. <laughs> you know, you know that. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean. But again, just think about it. think about how many times a day you you tell a customer what to do. Yeah, I'm looking back, and well, right out the gate, I always say, "Let me." 
let me let me do this let me do that it's not me, their job to let you do yeah, anything yeah yeah I'm, i always say that i was like yeah let me check the warehouse or let me let me put you on hold if you allow me yeah. to check the, will you allow me a moment yeah. to check the warehouse i think that's big man it's that's huge it's huge dude and it happens it happens we it's because that's how we talk i'm not criticizing the way we talk mm-hmm. however and most customers wouldn't be offended by that. I'm just saying that you could you you will have a better relationship. It'll be easier for you to yes. do everything else. That tiny little thing. And to me, that's so dumb. That's like that's like if you told me that instead of wearing black boots, if I wore red boots, I would make a hundred dollars more a month. <laughs> I would wear red boots, man. If you're a waitress, I can see that red red heels. But Our, when you initially said that, what I all, what I think about my mind automatically goes to my five year old son. Like no. if I tell him to do something he has a harder time doing it. But if I give him two options or if I phrase it in a way where it's his, this is what I intend to happen. One of these two outcomes, but it's your decision to make that happen. Like I, that my mind went exactly to that. I'm going to have an easier time with him. If, if I uh, present him with an option with two outcomes that I desire. Exactly. And that, and that, that's, that, that, that actually is a fundamental principle of Hegelian dialectics, which is Georg Hegel was an early 19th century German philosopher that just, just that, right? That, that broke down conflict, the resolution to an issue in three stages. And this is, this is, this, this is <laughs> a very, give it to me. Well, you're right. Briefly, you should run the country, Juan, because if you understand the principle that, that you give people two options and you that are going to lead to what you want anyway, then you control everything. And that's what we do. Like Chris Rock said, we've got plenty of choices in the country. They're all they're, they're stupid choices. Like, do you want to, do you want that supersized? We don't really have any good choices, but we've got tons of choices. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know what I mean? Do you want to be you know, a fat ass or do you want to exercise or do you want to be like me and do nothing like, and just, just be who you are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so funny. People, I'm told now, please tell me if I'm starting to look my age, I'm told that I don't look 46. Oftentimes most people don't guess that. And they say, well, what did, what's your secret? Um, Real easy. Be an alcoholic for 25 years, smoke (laughs) cigarettes, eat whatever the hell you want, never exercise. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that, you know, that, that's exactly, that's all I've done. Yeah. You, you won the genetic lottery, sir. I guess, you know, but, uh, so, uh, so, so, <coughs> excuse me, everybody. Let me just look this. I just want to make sure that I, I, I want to get the, the, uh, <laughs> this is interesting. Just if anybody cares, there's, if I look something up real quick, it's just because I don't want some Nimrod arguing with me about a date you know what i mean that's unimportant because i'm at the end of the day i'm not a professional philosopher it's something that is interesting to me but recreational philosopher i just want to look up the dates here i just want to make sure i've got the timeline right uh, well why what would timeline matter other than somebody being nitpicky about you naming the wrong timeline because it relates to history and the evolution of how people think okay. and so so this so if again how would it not matter no no i wanted you to present it so if somebody's like, why is he bothering looking at Are you playing? I know that trick, dude. <laughs> what, what's that? If I, I'm not going to tell my tricks. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, you, you start something and I don't know. I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about that? And then all I'm going to do is listen to what it is. I'm going to let you explain it to me. And then I'm going to just add some little bullshit wrinkle on top of it, make you think I'm smarter than you. <laughs> no. <laughs> is, that, is that what I was doing? I'm, I'm just suspect. It I'm from D.C. Be. I'm yeah. suspicious of everybody, He's, bro. You should be super suspect. My grandfather's an FBI agent. So to, everyone's under suspicion with me. No, I'm just yeah. teasing. Bro. I'm, you know, I just wanted to look this up real quick. No, now I'm thinking, was I subconsciously like, hey, you elaborate it for me. Yeah. And then when you asked me, I was like, oh, no, so everybody else can know. 
As, <laughs> just just want to look at, at when Georg Heigl came up with this. Let me look him. This, the, the concept is old, but uh, it's, mm. it's spelled George Heigl. Um, it's, uh, it's spelled George instead of what? What was his first name again? He, he pronounces it Georg, but it Georg. is a German uh, mm-hmm. philosopher. Um, and uh, with the Hegelian dialectics, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, oh, I can't do this at the same time. I just want to, <laughs> so I, sorry, but that it no, just, you're fine. This, again, if this, if someone, I guess for me, it would be, you asked why is it important to know when that happened? Uh, well, I would just say maybe because there was a big historical context to like that being in the, um, the zeitgeist of the, of like that generation of whenever he kind of it, brought that idea to fruition. Absolutely. It, it, it is. Uh, and, uh, also too the timeline just for the earth, like it, like, 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 let's say like this, let's say that Georg Heigl had lived 5,000 years ago and came up with this, that would, that would make things different, right? Things tend to happen. Like it, it would be weird if we had a space shuttle in the year two BC, <laughs> right? Yeah but nothing else was, you know what I'm saying? Like to me, it, it just makes sense. So, um, I mean, uh, sorry, let me just, uh, this, oh gosh, I need to get my own researcher on board here is what you're telling, what you're telling me right now, John Palmer. Yeah. Just, just, just if anybody really, you never know, dude. I mean, as an educator, you might say something that makes someone, this might be someone's passion for the rest of their life, like studying philosophy. So that's, I mean, you got a responsibility. You there know what I mean? a big responsibility. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's so, there is, because at the end of the day, we're just having a regular conversation, but I'm choosing to record it, film it, and putting it up online. So there would be, I guess, a little bit more of responsibility on our behalf to make sure we do come correct. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. And I wouldn't do that for my students. Um, and so, uh, where is this? So is it very... Uh, not not so well known. Is that why we're having? Yeah, trouble? it's. I I can't believe I'm. Ooh, I'm just even better. So how do you pull that out? How do you how do you reference that when it's like, unless you're using Bing? Are you using Bing instead of Google? <laughs> no, I'm just. Why is this not? One more thing. Okay, yeah. just just. You're good. If you don't find it, what we could do is you can text me later the, the years, and then I can always throw it under the video. Oh, here it is. It's the first thing. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. John is showing his age. I just want to use skills. there. It's basically because he uses a very specific term. Oh. Okay. Like there's a thesis, uh, the thesis, the antithesis, and I forgot the third one. One more, uh, three, and it, this is going to drive me nuts. I, I can't believe this is taking this long. I normally can pull up this stuff and I sleep. <laughs> when you're having a conversation with the lady and she don't believe you. That's good. Yeah. Synthesis. That's the one. I'm sorry that that took so long. Everyone. Synthesis. So, 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 so here. So thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Right. So, so there's. So Georg Heigl basically felt that all conflict and all conflict resolution could be broken down into three stages. Right. So the 
the, the, the thesis is the event, is what happens. The antithesis is the reaction. The synthesis is what you do about it, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. So what, if you can control any one of those things, then you can control the outcome. And that's, and that's what, that's, that's the Hegelian dialectics is the basis for all conspiracy theories. Because the thinking is this, right? So, so, that, mm-hmm, so the, mm-hmm. the thesis is the event, the antithesis of the reaction. The synthesis is what comes of it, you know, how you either solve of it or the result of it, right? So, so, so let's take one that's popular. Let's take September 11th in 2001, right? Mm-hmm. So the event is the, is the attack, right? Yes. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the thesis. The antithesis, the antithesis of that, the opposite of that, in Georg Heigl's opinion, is the reaction to that as us as a people we reacting so we haven't solved the problem yet all we have is an event and a reaction to it right the synthesis is what comes of it what 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 is the lasting impact what is the change what is the result of the action combined with our reaction to it will lead to to some kind of result right you can you can boil any conflict any debate any difference of opinion anything down to those three principles, those, those three stages. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. And there's another unique thing about three, two, that I'd like to get to at some point. It's a magic number in everything as far as stability is concerned and problem solving and logic. But we'll get to that in a moment um, later. So the thinking goes, and this is what you did with your son, and which why I think you'd be a good candidate to run the world, is that <laughs> oh, no. if you, if you, <clears throat> you don't have to cause... The thesis. You don't have to cause the event, but if you can, that that's preferable, mm-hmm. right? But you don't have to. This can happen with an organically happening event, like a tidal wave. That that's just something that happens. Let's say there's a there's a tidal wave and infrastructure gets wiped out in the Gulf and they don't have power. That's that's a naturally or, occurring event. Or a novel coronavirus. Yeah. Now that's a naturally occurring event. You can still get. You can still achieve a, a result that you want from something that's organic or manufactured. A manufactured event would be something like uh, when Adolf Hitler blew up the Reichstag building and made it look like a uh, fascist terrorist to, to garner support for his party. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a man, That's not an organic event. That's a manufactured, controlled environment. Now, whether terrorists had built had set that on fire or Hitler, the thinking is this: if you you take the the thesis, the event. It's preferable if you control the event, if you start the event, but even if you don't, you can manipulate the antithesis, the reaction to it, to get the synthesis that you want all along. And that's what you did with your son. You presented your son with a thesis. You gave him an option, which is the antithesis, to achieve the synthesis that you wanted all along. You just gave him two different ways to do it, but mm-hmm. you really didn't give him an option not to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm serious, yeah. one. And, and and again, this is this is this is the this is not unique necessarily to conspiracy theories, but conspiracy theorists have kind of latched onto this principle to kind of explain why their theory is correct. Why the outcome, because once you know, or once you see the outcome coming forth, well, then you start working backwards. Well, why would they want it to be this way? Absolutely. And why would they accept it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you, it, now I don't, I, I, I sometimes I'll read about conspiracy theories because it's interesting to me, but I would mm-hmm. never subscribe to one, one hundred percent. I any more than I would anything else because we we just can't prove it. Yeah, you know what I mean. We, it, it 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 could be that. It could be any number of things. Also, there's that old saying: if you can if you can introduce me to three people that can keep a secret amongst themselves, and I'll start believing in conspiracy theories. That's more. That's the big one. That's the big one that gets me. It's like yeah. you have all these people that somehow manage to keep their mouth shut. Like, it's not possible. Not possible. Do you know what I mean? In fact, I cracked Austin up one time. I, he didn't know me that well. 
uh, used to run the store, and I was talking about that. Just made that one point. I was like, even if you know, you know, there's going to be some drunk CIA guy hitting on a chick, being like, you know, well, you know, I helped kill the president Kennedy, right? You want to have sex with me? You know, like, yeah, so yeah. they're going to slip out somewhere, some mm-hmm. way, somehow. It's it's bound to happen. We're we're people. We're, we're people. We're not that smart. You know what I mean? We're finite creatures. We're going to die. We don't live in long, long enough to get that smart. I don't think we're meant to be that smart. In fact, I think smart people are anomalies. I, I, I really are. do. You know, they really are. And, and so, like George Carlin said, just think of the dumbest people you know on in your life and just understand that most of the world's not even as smart as those morons. <laughs> like, I'm serious. I, I, I'm serious. I'm not, and, and, and I'm one of them. I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. honestly, if you and I were idiots, would we know that? No. I'm happy. I, that's, it wouldn't affect my... Well, I still who's, do this. who's happier out there than the oblivious or the exactly. willful ignorant? If you know too much about stuff, all you do is get irritated by it. And, and anxiety. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until you realize you can do nothing about it, then you can just sit back and watch it. And that's kind of where I am right now. Transcendence? Yeah. Because all of my young ideology is gone i know yeah. i can't change the world i'm not 21 anymore when i was 21 i couldn't change the world i just didn't know that i just yeah. thought i could because it would be weird if a 21 year old didn't think didn't they could think yeah. you know what i mean but mm-hmm. but then you realize that you can't that, that the world has been the world for a boy a long time dude yeah. and so but but again non-conspiracy theory you know conspiracy theory is notwithstanding because i don't even want to mention the term really anymore um but just just that principle of manipulation is what societies have been doing since there have been societies like that this has always happened one this is always everything that happens now has always happened it's it's a cycle it reoccurs and it and that's what i was telling you things get better for the common people for about a couple generations and then those people die off and things get crap again and people forget nobody remembers if you don't study history it's all these cliches. You know, I don't want to sound like an old fuddy-duddy man right now, mm-hmm. but everything that's happened has already happened in some ways. Yeah. Every great thing that happens is going to happen again. Karl Marx said every, every, everything that happens is going to happen again, and it's a tragedy that it has to happen again. That's a different kind of take on that. But, uh, but no, that's, that's an absolute truth. There's nothing that is happening today that hasn't happened over and over and over and over and over and over throughout the last 5,500 years since we really had the first written down set of codified laws, what people point to as the first modern society with a very, 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 very detailed set of laws and punishments called the Code of Hammurabi, right? King Hammurabi was king of ancient Sumer, which is modern-day Iraq, Sumer. right? That civilization is about 5,500 years old that we know of, but he, the Code of Hammurabi, he commit to tablet, I think, about 3,500 years ago again, if you're a nerd out there, I might be off on the time. I'm not a professional, <laughs> you know, Sumerian historian here. This is yeah. stuff that's amateur fun for me. Hey, go light on my boy, all right? Yeah, so go easy. And also, but I encourage you to, to to reach. Who am I? You know what I mean? Again, who am I? These are these are things that I've read. I, who's, uh, you don't know that I, I might have misunderstood everything that I read. <laughs> so I encourage anyone out there that's interested in any of this stuff to do your own research, and it's pl- more fun to do that anyway. Yes. Um, yep. So, uh, so, you know, as far as the problems that we have and the things that happen, you know, these, these things, you know, like these, these regressive types, I think, are, 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 are very ignorant of, of how the world has always worked. You know what I mean? And you can't ever go, even though the same types of things have always happened, they've happened in a macro sense, not the specifics have been different. And that's why maybe people get confused, you, you know, do, what I mean? yeah, yeah. you know, and so, but the same 
methods. In fact, you know, are like I, I mentioned this to you just a few weeks ago. That you know these these people, the Make America Great Again people. What's so absurd about that is that there's a lot, a couple things kind of absurd about that. But that period that they're referring to was an anomaly. There was there's nothing. There was nothing to really. That was something that was virtually unprecedented in all of human history in every culture that had there's never been a society that had a gigantic middle class like we did in this country for roughly 25 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that's not even our country is officially 242 years old so that's not even barely 10% of our own history much less the world's history yeah. do you know what i mean where that's happened all of the times through history and including now it's like it is a few people control the majority of wealth and everyone else just gets by. You know what I mean? That that's the way it's been. You know what I mean? And yeah. we get by now so much better than we did a couple of, even even ninety something years ago. You know what I mean? Like there's we didn't have child labor laws. We didn't have a work week. We didn't. There was no unions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People people. Then you think you have it rough because you have to work a couple overtime. Not you personally, but like when I worked for FedEx and people would complain because we had six hour work weeks for leading up to Christmas. You think that's bad? Yeah. People work mm-hmm. 80, 90 hour weeks. Every week, that's just what you did. And you made, you didn't even make money at some of these places. These old mining factories or uh, mining towns, like these, these companies that, that did, you know, like that were notorious for this. You lived everything. They paid you in tokens that were only redeemable at things that the company owned. So your housing was owned by the company you worked for, Mm -hmm. the stores, all the goods. So you basically didn't, it's kind of what I feel like working at Guitar Center because every (laughs) <laughs> dime I make practically goes right back to the company. <laughs> yeah. Although that's by choice. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I do get paid in actual currency. I just choose to use it at there. Yeah, yeah. But so point being is that the wealth never leaves the company and people never get any wealthier. They just make a wage to live. They never actually increase their wealth. You know what I mean? Which is the, the, the classical definition of income in economics. Income is not the wages that you earn from your job. Income is an accumulation of wealth. Is what people refer to, or what is referred to as capital gains. Is is that money that your 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 wealth is increasing off of something that you own or possess, not the work that you do. When you go to a job and you make a wage, that's not what income used to be defined as. That uh, that's why there's two different words for it. A wage is what you get. That's a contract. You go to your job at the yeah. specified time and do the job that you're supposed to do, and you get the agreed upon fee. That's not income. That's a wage. That's a living wage that you're earning. Income is when you increase your wealth. If you sell a house and make a profit, that profit's income. If your stocks go up, that's income. Income is capital gains, not a wage that you earn from a job. Mm. And that <clears throat> economic dis- definition started changing with the idea of introducing income tax to the United States around the turn of the century. It took a while. It didn't just happen in 1913. We didn't have a, we didn't have a federal income tax Mm-mm. or state at all. Yeah. And initially, the, the intent for the decades leading up to that, that, that was not something new. The intent was to tax income, not wages. You know what I mean? Technically, by, by, you know, like, again, by, by the, if, you, if you go by the definitions of the time and the things that were going on in this country leading up to us having an income tax, and it was never intended to be more than 1% of anyone's wages or income initially. That 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 didn't start jumping until until we hit the Great Depression. War, yeah, then you know, war times, I would imagine. Yeah, war times, a little bit of that, but 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 more so that, and that's another interesting kind of thing too. Uh, but um, so, you know, you could really make a case that 
income tax for a person that works a job at a wage is really not, not, it's not in the spirit and it's not necessary. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not necessary. We have enough. <sighs> Another thing about me too, that I think anyone that's interested in hearing me talk is going to have to realize that there really is, you know, when I talk about things in my opinions, there's what I want with my heart and what I would love to see. And then there's the pragmatic side of me. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes there's a huge difference in what I think we need or should have or really need or what, what what's possible maybe, what's even workable from what I wish we could we could have. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and it's beautiful for you to point that out and to acknowledge that because I think a lot of people you know, just find what they wish it was like and demand that that be the case. And they base their own personal beliefs on on those thoughts and those opinions. And so they get tied to their feelings. And so that's why when you attack somebody's idea or not attack, but just criticize or point out, well, have you looked at it this way? Like they take it as in a personal attack. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, uh, and that's just so, that's, uh, antithetical to the goal. The goal is to, to, to get along and to talk, you know what I mean? And not to win, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, if you, if you win, Mm -hmm. what's the point of winning if you don't, if you're, if you're no better off, you've just won something, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, there's nothing to to gain there. You know what I mean? I had that thought the other day um, with an argument I had with someone. I'm like, well, do you want to win or do you want to be happy? (laughs) Yeah. Cause you can win all day and just be completely miserable because Oh, look, you're, you're, you're right. But then nobody wants to be around you. We, nobody wants to live, you know, with, with that looming over them, you know? Yeah. It's like you gotta, you gotta find, you, no matter how my, how right you might be, you do have to find some common ground. Absolutely. And also, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and, and, and funny it reminds me of when I was a, you know, young man, you know, 18, 19, 21, you know, like, I, you know, I've never been like a what do they call it uh a cad you ever heard that term like a a rolling stone mm. uh okay a player oh, rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know what i mean i've never been the kind of guy that went out and dated a bunch of chicks i've never asked for someone's number that <laughs> ever that wasn't my friend i've never dated a woman that i wasn't friends with first i've never gone up to a stranger and been like can i have your phone number so i can call you and we can eat food you know what i mean <laughs> like like that's never happened to me so at a very young age i was my first wife we we started dating when i was 18 before that i had had a girlfriend my first serious girlfriend we were together uh we were friends for a year before i ever we ever got romantic with each other and same with my my wife in fact my first wife we didn't know this till much years later. We actually went to the same daycare center when we were a year old wow. for years and didn't know each other until, you know, until yeah. much later in school. But I, I'd known her since while we were 13. And so, uh, um, uh, what, where was I going with that? Sorry uh, about being, that. Being right. Oh yeah. 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 With, okay. And, and I started noticing the, with the differences in men and women and, and they're not a matter of right or wrong. They're just differences. Mm-hmm. And they're different things. And so if you understand that, there's nothing wrong with, you know, like you hear this a lot. I, you know, I've always been kind of, a, I've, I've, I've tried to be an observer. I've, I've enjoyed maybe a better way to put it. I've enjoyed being an observer in my life. And I've always thought about the things. Why are people unsuccessful? And why are they successful at things? It's, it's, it's almost an obsession. It's something that I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into kind of like tautologies, right? And so and that's what's obsessed me. Like I, I really like tautologies because coming or going, no matter how you do it, 
in at least in, a, in the logic sense, there's two kind of meanings. There's a literary tautology, which is really just a redundancy, which is saying really the same thing four or five different ways. But in the world of logic, it's 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 an absolute truth, and which means that no way there's no way to analyze it in a way that you won't achieve the same result. Like gravity, no matter what you do to try to reverse gravity in a conventional way, it's always going to work every second of the day. If mm-hmm. you drop something on the floor, no matter if you try to go lower to the floor or higher, like it's a it's it's going to hit the floor. You know what I mean? Unless you take the floor away, then it's just going to keep dropping until it hits something else. You know what I mean? Anyway, so. Coming or going, no matter which way you look at it, there's only one result, right? <clears throat> That's not the case with the way men and women are. You know what I mean? The way that they deal with conflict and resolution and things like that. It's There's different things that are important to them about the conflict, and there's different things that they fixate on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a right or wrong matter. And, 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 and I, I don't think that really the difference between men and women I don't think any of it's right or wrong. It's just it's just a, it's just a difference, simply a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a hard thing for people to grasp. You know what I mean? I, I started kind of understanding that, um, you know, kind of thinking like that in my early, you know, late, late teens, early twenties. You know, I'd been with my first. We weren't married yet, but we'd been together for three or four years, maybe. You know, at the time and. You know, really analyzing just, it started with this. You know, what What do I really want? I want to love my girlfriend. Or, you know what I mean? I don't want to fight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I want to have a happy life. So, you know, so I started losing the battle to win the war, right? Mm-hmm. So just just whatever, you know what I mean? But then I was like, well, no, is it really that? No, maybe it's just that we're different. And I started thinking, okay, well, analyzing my own relationships, right? Like if you and I, I use this example a lot. Like if, like if, if something happens and I do something that steps on your toes at work, you'll tell me about it. We have a conflict. Men don't like to be in a state of conflict, so we generally try to get out of it pretty quickly, and we're, we're over it. That's why guys can get into a fist fight and then hug it out afterwards, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, for the most part. You know what I mean? Like, again, that's just, and that's us, and that's not better or worse, I don't think. Now, women, conflict is, is, is a lot less overt, and it's longer, and it's deeper, and it's more emotional. And what women, women don't mind being in the state of conflict, and what's important to them is not a resolution, really, oftentimes, at all, you know, it's 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 the emotional intent behind the action is what they're more hurt by. You know, like how could this woman do this to me? She knows that I'm going through, you know, X things. She knows that I'm having trouble with my kids. She knows this. How could she do this to me? You know what I mean? Where I would never even think if you if you bumped into me and were like, oh, watch yourself, dude, like you know something yeah, like yeah. that. I wouldn't think, oh man, why is one trying to treat me like that? Does he know like how nice I try to be and I try to eat toast in the morning and be a good person and give my cat kisses how could he be so rude to me you know what there's i mean so many layers that, that is why i've like women i would say are more intelligent than yeah, men because emotionally there's, intelligent there's more layers much to that more. whereas us would be like what the fuck you know like, yeah much more now not now again we're speaking generalities yes, not course, all women do this not all men do this yeah. you know what i mean but but i think it's just the fundamental differences on how we process things and and what interests us you know i think a lot of times I really think that's it. Why? Why do we do things? We don't. We we do things because in some way we're interested in it, right? If we if, if we weren't interested in it, if people weren't interested in getting upset, whether, they wouldn't get upset. Whether you have a general, um, a genuine interest in it or an interest in the outcome of you being interested in that thing, because you might again, you might do a job you don't want to do, but you're not interested in that job. You're interested in how well it pays. Sure. Essentially. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a reason to do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so. So, you know, so that got me down this whole road, you know, this thought train 
at that stage in my life anyway, where I just really started kind of applying that to everything. Once I kind of, I don't know, naturally maybe just got tired of that, like the difference between men and women, just thinking how, okay, well, how does this apply to everything else? If that, well, if and One thing I wanted to say about that um, before I lose it is um, there are differences. And when people think of differences, they think that, well, there must be some sort of in, in, inequality between the two. If there's a differences, one might be more uh, right or wrong than the other. And we're not, what we're saying is there are differences. They're neither good or bad in this sense. They're just differences on how we see it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm in no way making a value judgment. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not, right. you know, I don't think one person's perspective is more valid than another. Yeah. And we are know. generalizing, but you will notice that a woman who is career driven will get flack for it. A woman yeah. who, who acts more like a male would in the sense of being a little bit more demanding Absolutely. at work would take yeah. flack for it. Um, you're, you're almost seen as, as a bitch or bossy yeah. if you act in the normal way that a man would do Absolutely. it. So there are, we are generalizing, but there are those differences that need to be pointed out that, yeah. you know, you will get flack for it, for behaving in the non-traditional way. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that, that's, I think, again, that, that's, that's a great point. And I, and I think that that's very, very complex, too, because I think a lot of people, um, I think it's different for people. I think some people are consciously offended at that. Like, how could this woman tell me what to do? And I think people, it's <laughs> unconscious. I think a lot of people are just yeah. unconscious. Now, I just kind of lucked out. I've happened to just have more female managers or bosses in my life than yeah. not, than men. You know what I mean? I, like, like, I think Austin, I think Guitar Center, like, I, I never had a the whole time I worked at FedEx, I never had a male super, uh, direct supervisor. Mm. Um, and when I was a kid, I, I never did. I washed dishes in restaurants and stuff. They were all, there was always a, a woman owned it. You know what I mean? Like, and so she yeah. was my, you know, so I'd, I'd never, and all my teachers were women, you know what I mean? Until I got to college. I, I don't think I ever had a male teacher. It was you know, weird. Yeah, you know? yeah. I remember my first male teacher was like in fifth grade and I was like, whoa, this is new. Like, this is different. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, you know, and, I, and I've always, and I shouldn't say always, but for a long time, I've kind of been aware of, of that. And and it's funny that you mentioned that because my, my, my direct supervisor at FedEx is a very intelligent woman, uh, Dolores Flowers Brown. And I was a, I thought a fantastic manager, like, you, you know, honestly, and, mm -hmm. and, but she was, uh, she had all the, if she were, if she were a male, she would be praised for, for her management style. She didn't, she, as far as I could tell, really never played favorites was very fair and, and, and very honest as far as what she expected. And she expected a lot, but she, she, she gave a lot herself. I mean, yeah. you know, she was, she was the hardest worker there. You know what I mean? Like, so, so to her, she did, she never asked me to do anything that she wouldn't do herself yeah, exactly. at all in any way. And she was always very fair, always very caring, always took time to make sure that I knew that I had support from her, uh, if I needed it, uh, you know, with anything, you know, not just job related. If, you know, things, you know, were going on, you know, I could talk to her at any time. But there were a lot of people that had problems with it because she was very driven. She's she ambitious. You know what I mean? Like she and 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 when you're in a position where you're managing 80 plus people, mm -hmm. you just don't have time to put it nicely always. You know, she wasn't ever mean, but just to the point, it's not. It's not rude, I wouldn't say, to say I just I just need this done by eleven because she has another seventy nine people to tell something to. Do you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? And yeah. so, and you're absolutely right. If that was you or I in that position, we'd be decisive. We'd be a leader. 
mm-hmm. knew how to get things done. <laughs> Whereas if it's her, it's like, who is this? And also, she's African American. So who is this? Like, you know, like sassy black woman. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, I don't get bossed around by someone like that. No. And there was none of that. She was a communications major in college. Very intelligent person. You know, like, again, like, like, like there's, there's, I can tell you, you know, and I can be sometimes a judgmental person in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, like it, not to the point that I let it really become a detriment, but as far as what, how emotionally involved I'll get with someone, you know what I mean? I, I can pretty much figure out quickly, like if you're, if person X is going to be someone that I'm just going to be interested in getting to know, it's yeah. nothing bad. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. you know, but again, if they, if they, if they do things that are things that I just don't enjoy, then I'll just, I'll be nice to them, and they're nothing to me Maybe necessarily. And, okay. Yeah, but if I'm if I'm going on this much about someone, then I really think that they're a fantastic person. Do you know what I mean? And that's a, and I, I just I know this is a really long winded way to say I completely agree with you, and I experienced it. I mean, she was a manager. I, she was my second manager at FedEx. My first one was also a very nice woman. That was more like a mom type and wasn't Ooh, as aggressive and gotcha. no one had a problem with her. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Everybody loved her. Like she was just everybody's mom. She was so sweet. And she, I loved her too. She was like a second mom. I lived out here in Arizona. My mom lives in Washington, D.C. She's the same age as my mm-hmm. mom. Yeah. I'm the same age as her oldest son. Oh, okay. Bam. Like Play. the instant I met her, she was like, oh, he's such, he reminds me so much. She was just, took care of me like a mom when yeah. I first, I was out here. And, but, but, you know, not, not in any way that kind of, like you said, Possess more of the, the what traditional feminine qualities. You know, she was more of a nurturing manager. Mm-hmm. Still effective. Like her, her, her. You know, when I was on her team, no one had a bad thing to say about her. Everybody worked very hard. Both ways are effective. But, but I, I think that you don't, you shouldn't have to be, you, you shouldn't have to modify your management style to fit what people's ideas of a gender role should be. You know what I mean? Like Noreen was very comfortable being the motherly type because that was her personality. That was her personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dol- Dolores was a little younger, not much, but about 10 years younger than Noreen. Had kids. She was a mother, but her kids were younger. You know what I mean? Slightly younger. Um, and, uh, you know, so she certainly was a mother. And, and when I did need something like that, she was comfortable giving me, like, support, like yep. emotional support. Mm-hmm. But also... She also knew how to get things done and had her way of doing things. Well, and I would you know? imagine like when you're, as I picture my wife, she has young kids and my wife is very, who, who we would describe, you know, can rub people the wrong way because she's very direct. And, mm-hmm. and also I can just see with us having young kids, it's more like, go, 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 like, well, yeah. let's go, like get it going. Whereas if you have slightly older kids, then you don't have that pressure of young kids at home kind of you know, wearing you down in between. I mean, I, I can only imagine. I mean, I've never had kids, but I can only imagine. I know the older they get, <clears throat> the less likely they, 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 they need you less. Yeah. They're like, not going to like, when they're little, like they're, they're not that far away from dying really at any time. You know what I mean? They need your help more. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It's like, you know, that's, sure. that's all you got to do is make sure these little idiots don't die. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like, and then they get to be teenagers and like, well, if they die, maybe they're doing something really stupid. You know what I mean? It's like it's not because they don't know better. You know what I mean? I yeah. could kind of see that, but uh, but yeah. But in, oh, funny thing too. The first time I met your wife, I didn't know when we were going to that volleyball. I didn't know people, so I, oh, I was yeah, doing yeah. just a normal thing, like just hi, how are you? I'm, how are you connected to this? You know, like like yeah. are you? You know, and they would say, oh, I'm you know such and such friend or family or I'm yeah, their I think sister. I had like a, three or four different faction group of friends. 
get together and this was like right before covid popped off so we yeah. didn't have those restrictions oh yeah none of yeah none of that and so so just just now just and then when she and she wasn't there i when gabby wasn't there when i showed up but i'd never met her before right yeah and so i just so uh it just happened this is kind of it worked out to be really funny and 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 just we both kind of joked about it so so i was kind of getting ready to do that so so how are you know like to just just to just a typical you know pleasantry you know like mm-hmm. like how are you connected to all of this do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like in a, you know what i mean and mm-hmm. uh somebody did something funny like somebody fell in a funny way on the volleyball it kind of caught my attention so i can't i was getting ready you know it just came out like who are you you know what i mean like like you know what i mean it's, you know what i mean it just like it just came out like it just my my attention just got diverted like just because some i guess someone just did like a backflip funny thing and they were laughing and it just yeah again that at the time was more interesting to look at than your wife no offense do you know what i mean it's like she wasn't falling down at that moment she was yeah. just sitting that's a normal thing that people people don't always fall down people sit often yes. so the falling down i don't think you can really blame me for wanting to look at that more at that moment yep. do you know what i mean yeah. like like and so so anyway she was like she was with that little shaking head added she's like i'm Juan's wife you know what i mean and, you know but kind of joke and i was like oh, okay well I work with Juan, so that's that's the same thing. I see him two or three days a week. So you know, like, what do you got now? You know what I mean? Like, just just joking around with her. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? But just at the time, I just like, just immediately thought she was just, just a funny person. You know, like had a funny sense of she humor. Is, oh, she has a great sense of humor. Yeah. sailor's mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but yeah, no, that was funny. And so, just you know, it was just funny. It, it, it totally just accidental. Like I didn't, you know, you know, just. I don't know what I was thinking. I just got, oh, I know I was going to see you today. It just reminded me of that the funny, that's my first impression of her, you know? Yeah. It was just first funny. First impressions are funny, man. I know. They they are. It's it's like, it's it's strange and they never pan out. Like, I don't know why like first impressions have such a big, you know, there are such a big deal because they never really pan out. It's not like, oh, you're exactly what I thought as soon as I met you. Like, that's not how shit works out. <laughs> Yeah, I have a couple. You know, I don't know all the reasons to that, but I, I, I do, I do have a couple kind of theories on, on, on just a few things too mm. that you probably, you know, one is both. Neither party is really well. Actually, one reason why I first impression you, when you meet someone, you're really just presenting the part of yourself or, or what you want them to think you are anyway. Mm-hmm. So yep. that that's one reason that doesn't pan out. And then the person that's you know getting impression of you. It's also the thing. Have you ever, like you said, like a first impression? Have you ever seen someone just like, oh, that guy looks like a jerk or whatever? Right? Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, I think I had this realization when I was a teenager. Same thing. I met a guy and he and I just said, oh, this guy's a jerk. And I was like, wait a second, I don't even know this dude. And I was like, why do I think he's a jerk? I'm like, oh, because he looks like a guy that used to pick on me in second grade. To, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. think that's a lot of like sometimes our first impressions. If something, if there's something about someone like a mannerism or a, mm-hmm. a feature that can kind of cause you to just have an instant prejudice yeah. a little bit. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and not, not in the way that people normally use the term prejudice. Prejudice by itself just means prejudging, right? Mm-hmm. We, we wouldn't be able to survive earth if we didn't have inherent prejudice. Just, just, just our, to, own, our own initial safety. Yeah. Like, like, it, like it, being prejudiced is what allows us to operate a motor vehicle and not have to learn how to drive every day. You know what I mean? If we, appro- I mean, with, if we, if we had zero prejudice in our life, Everything we did all the time would be like we were doing it for the first time because we would be like, well, I have no idea what this is. It looks like a doorknob, but I can't assume all doorknobs are doorknobs. Can you imagine? I know. We'd never do anything. What are these on the end of my legs? I know. It's like, oh, sorry. I mean, they look like legs, but I don't want to offend them if they're not really legs. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what I'm saying? It just, it's so, you yeah, know, yeah. the problem is, is when, so, you know, like look at if your brain's like a computer, right? 
And so you you know you're initially classifying things that you're perceiving all the time. It's we do it. We don't even realize we're doing it. It's yeah. just so we can understand the world. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, you know. It's so the problem is you know pretty elementary is when you can't get when you can't move things out of the temporary folder into the permanent correct folder. Do you know what I mean? Like and, and can't interpret. Like you can't you know uncompress that zip file or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. make sure you know that okay. Well okay. Just because that guy's got paint on his clothes doesn't mean he's a painter. Do you know what I mean? It's like, like, you know, like another example, I use my students a lot too. It's funny how like my, I, I, I teach my students the way that I was taught. And mm. we, once they get over the initial coordination of making a chord and playing, I, I don't think we, we hardly spend a 10th of our time together actually talking about music. Yeah. I'm a, I teach people whatever they need to learn. Do you know what I mean? And if they, if they don't have something, because it all relates, Juan, you can't do this. You can't be good at anything, but you can't be good at music if you're a jerk. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's something that my <laughs> teachers told me a long time ago, and I didn't believe them. I don't know if I believed them. I just didn't understand, but I, I get it now because you can become a you you can become a jerk after you're a good musician, but you will yes. not become a good musician being a jerk because you, you were expecting yourself on an instrument, and if you're a jerk, you're just going to be a jerk on your instrument. Mm-hmm. No one's going to want to listen to you. It it doesn't work. It's it seems so elementary. What was I what what, what was elementary before that? The elementary about pre uh, prejudices. Oh yeah, that seems elementary, right? That, like an example like this, I use with my students. A lot of stuff is, you know, things like they're just. I think they're easy analogies to kind of understand, you know, for mm-hmm. someone, particularly, you know, if anybody is listening, does listen. To, I I hate to sound so negative. I'm always like negative. It's like no one cares about me. You know, like, no one's <laughs> maybe my mom might listen to this. You know, and then yeah. anyway, that's that's just my own uh, self loathing. But that has to do with my ethnicity. You know what I mean? Like a right? Why? My Roman Catholic alcoholics, I don't oh, hate each yeah, other. Yeah. Right? You're always guilty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, you know what I mean? Like, I can't help that. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm never worthy for anything, you know? <laughs> so, but just imagine, like, if you were somewhere, we'd have a prejudice, right? Like, if you and I had to go stop it somewhere, again, let's assume that this is this is not COVID time, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we go see, we see one person wearing a suit, male, female, doesn't matter. One person has pants on their clothes and one person that's wearing shorts, Right. Well, the, our initial prejudice will be, okay, well, that's a business guy, a painter, and that guy's coming from the gym, right? Mm-hmm. The guy in the suit could be going to court, could mm-hmm. be facing murder charges. Yeah, You know, the guy painting his house could be a judge on his day off. You know what I mean? We don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, that's yeah, so yeah. basic that, that, you know, it just, it just, but that's how powerful our belief systems are. When I first entered recovery, it was mentioned to me that, one of the hardest things to do is to change or alter your belief system and think about that. And they use some examples like if you're, if you go through your life and you're positive, something is a certain way, even if it's a way a word is spelled, this happens as it's ever happening. You you just, I could have sworn it was spelled this way. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's earth shattering. Your belief system is the core. It's, it allows all of this, all this other stuff that we do as people is wouldn't work without a belief system of some sort. You know what I mean? So changing that is very scary, and it 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 it, it, it it's a, it's a, that's all that's one of the most wholesale changes that a person can make about themselves because our belief system drives everything else, yeah. Other than our basic primal drives, like the need to feed ourselves, like the selfish drives that we have. Well, I think it would even go further than that because that's what actually gives you purpose. It are your beliefs, yeah. And purpose, while you might live just by you know feeding and being fed and and having enough water and all that but you won't actually live until you feel like you have a purpose no and that's one step up um maslow's hierarchy of needs that's a next do you know who maslow what well, he's another philosopher and he mm-hmm. came up with this imagine a triangle 
So Maslow's hierarchy of needs is 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 just that. So he 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 referred to the different stages of human existence and living conditions. Uh, and he he imagined a pyramid, right? In the the first level of the pyramid, there's levels of the pyramid, like say three or four different. It doesn't not really important how many, but yeah, yeah. but so. The ultimate goal is to get to the top of the pyramid. And what's waiting for you at the top of the pyramid is what he referred to as being a highly self-actualized individual, right? Someone that 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 is able to talk like we're talking right now, like work on their own personality, their own psychology, their beliefs, be a better person, right? His point was that the first level of that triangle is just simple survival. That if you've got your shelter and your food taken care of, then you can move on to the next. Then you have time to think about this stuff. If, if which is part part reason why uh, a lot of the world can't absolutely philosophize. Yes, you, 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 it's hard to do that when you're just running away from bullets. Yeah, they're faster than you. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And and honestly, that's that's another thing why sometimes that like that woman that I got so mad at the other day. What what really bothers me like sometimes is that at any given time. Almost the entire planet is not having a good time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just, 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 just. It's just unbelievable to get that upset about things when you don't realize how nice we have it right now. Nothing bad is happening to you or I right now. We're 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 two people that, at least as far as I'm concerned, I really, really, really think that you're a very nice person. You know what I mean? Like, and, Thank and, you, and, same. you know, and and there's absolutely nothing bad going on right now to us. Mm-hmm. Most of the world is, can't say that at all. Everything that ha- pretty much everything that can happen to anybody in the world happens every second of the day that the world is existing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like think about this, right? On average, 1.8 million people die per second on Earth. 4.2 million people are born per second. So in 10 seconds, 18 million people just died. If you count to 10, every time you count to 10, 18 million people on average die. 42 million people are born in the time it takes you to count to 10. So if you think about the numbers and how insignificant, how little our stupid problems are, then getting upset about something that's dumb is just it's 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 ignorant beyond belief to me. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. it, it it actually does make me a little upset. If I really know this person and I really care about them, I'll point that out to them. If I don't, I just that's another person that's just someone that's not going to be someone I'm going to be friends with. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just it's just as simple as that. Like that's I mean, you and I are not getting raped right now. Millions of people are getting raped right now. You know what I mean? Like, wait another second, another million just got raped. All these numbers you know? sound a little high, John Palmer, but I get what you're trying Look to say. Look it up, dude. <laughs> I, like, that's, I'm, I'm not, I, I looked up that this morning. Just, <laughs> you look at it, you're randomly Googling people getting raped? Not raped. Oh, I don't know about that. But no, the death rate is at, at, spot on. Really? At, on. On average, yes. One point million people die per second on Earth. <gasps> on average, every single day, 4.2 million people are born. Every second of the day on Earth, every second, every every well, I day. I guess yeah. When there's seven point what one seven point more than that billion. now, dude. We're we're, we're getting it, it. It's exponentially greater. We're already we're over eight billion estimated. We're we're actually inching more towards nine billion within another two or three years. We'll, we'll go over nine billion. Yeah. In 1985, that famous Live Aid concert. I don't know if you ever heard about that. Bob Geldof organized a simultaneous concert mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. time difference that went on in London and Philadelphia at the same time to raise famine, you know, for famine relief in Africa. Right. Yeah. There were two billion people on the planet in 1985 that was 35 years ago what? and he said yes he said we're, 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 we're he said we're approaching two billion we can't have half of the population living in hunger i'm like two billion 
that, that we wouldn't have any problems if there were only two billion people on the planet right now. Like, like no, we're we're rapidly getting to nine billion one, and so that's what I'm saying. All these numbers. That's why it's exponential. It's not it's not one for one. One person doesn't die and one person's born. Yeah, yeah. Many more people. So point being is that if that many people dying every second, th- then there's that many more people that are bummed about it. You know what I mean? Like even if half of that many people, half of the 1.8 million that die per second are alone, there's still a lot of people that aren't. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of people that have lots of friends and family. Someone's life is getting ruined right now. I don't want to talk about this all day and bum everybody out. I'm yeah. just saying that yeah. there's never a time when you have it worse than anybody so, yeah, else. So for you to be const- constantly maybe nihilistic or just always having a bad day or about outlook on it, like it's it's worse for a lot of other people. Not not to diminish anybody's own problems. No. Like they're serious to you yeah. in that moment. But there's a lot of people that do have it worse. Yeah. So getting back to the pyramid, so the bottom level. Oh yeah, I'm is, sorry about that. that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so okay. So the bottom level is just your basic survival, right? Like like you said, and that's how we start talking about the you know around the world. Mm-hmm. If you can get above that, right? If you, if your basic needs are met and you're comfortable, and and all and, and all of your attention is not simply just spent surviving, right? Like early early like us, like our our ancestors, mm-hmm. you know, you know, three million years ago. You know, it was all we could do to just eat every day and not get killed by something. You know what I mean? If, if we're not worried about that, <clears throat> then we have time to do this. Not only do we have time to do this, but in Maslow's opinion, we don't have an excuse not to. We don't have we don't have any reason why we can't work to become a highly self-actualized individual. And that's when you go higher up the pyramid. And that's really it. It's not that complex. Most of these theories, like the theory of relativity, is not complex at all. I don't want to. I'm not trying. I'm not saying that sound like a douche. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just saying it's really not. Well, like that's one of the first arguments or points you made, where like the answer is simple, but. Oh, the theory of relativity, we can, we're nowhere near being able to test that. Yeah. It, it just couldn't happen. But I'm just saying it, it, it in itself, it's it's very simple concept. Yeah. It just it basically says that we experience time relative to how fast things are moving around us. So if we're moving faster than everything else is moving, we're going to experience time differently, right? Mm-hmm. The faster we move, and th- if things go slower around us, we're going to go backwards in time. Whereas if we move slower, we'll go ahead in time. So maybe could we draw some sort of line to a person with the fast metabolism looks younger? Could yeah, (laughs) you you certainly could. You could also another kind of. I I never really considered that. I mean, that's that. You know what I mean? That that would make sense. I mean, it would. It would fit. It's it. It would. I don't know that Einstein ever really thought about that, but it's yeah. not really inconsistent with the theory of relativity because the, the theory of relativity is just things are relative, right? Yeah, that That's yeah. all. He's not saying that if you do this, the theory of relativity just states if we could go fast enough, mm-hmm. we could conceivably slow down time. In a sense, we'd be traveling back in time, even though we wouldn't be traveling, time would be moving slower. Yeah. So And so thus, by almost by proxy, we'd be going back in time. You know what I mean? Whereas if we were able to go slower than time is moving, then we would go forward in time. So we would experience time slower than time is actually happening. So does that make sense? So it works in reverse. So again, it's a very simple theory in that way. Now, we can't do that. There's no way that a human can go slow enough to go ahead in time. It, it, it just we, we couldn't. Any more than we can go fast enough to go back in time. I, I mean, traveling fast in the speed of light, that much power... First of all, anything that would go that fast would incinerate immediately in our atmosphere. The only way we oh, yeah. could even 
begin to even test something like that would be in space, and we couldn't. We'd, we'd need something as powerful as the sun to power our vehicle. I mean, it's just, again, but again, but that's... Been Which like, is, that, that's the next argument, or the next stage in the Fermi paradox. Yeah. So, but... <laughs> <laughs> hold on a second, but... So, but that's again that 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 that's really all there is to that that kind of hierarchy. You know what I mean? The thinking that is, if you and I are able to, then we really don't have an excuse not to. Yeah. And both of us are like like I'm not like the just by virtue of the fact that we're both sitting here, right? I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to stay alive right now. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm not here because there's you know a, a nuclear rain outside where that that I'll get a radiation poisoning. I'm here because I want to be. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't have to forage for food right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's really kind of what that hierarchy of needs kind of refers to, you know, and, and it makes a lot of sense. It's like, if you, why not? You know, it's almost like you're kind of wasting it, you know, like you got an opportunity. You're right. Most people aren't in a position. It's funny. You know, like when I talk to my wife and stuff like that, people don't think about this. It's funny how people don't just, things don't occur to people that most of the planet just doesn't even have time to be depressed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Depression is a luxury that we have. <laughs> depression it is, is a luxury. it is one well and and you that would be fact considering that a lot of affluent neighborhoods have high um abuse of pills and pre- prescription medications and suicide rates sure so do poor ones you know what i mean <laughs> i'm just saying like look even the poor people in this country have it better than people in other countries yeah i'm, I'm serious like yeah. like that uh, they think things get immeasurably worse than a ghetto in the united states no i use you know I, what i mean I, I, I don't think I was telling this on the podcast, but we used to go buy bricks for my dad to make additions to the house from a family in Mexico. This dude would make bricks and he had a roofless house and he was making bricks for everybody else to come and buy just to feed. I mean, they had walls, but literally no, no roof. In St. Lucia, if you want a house, you just go, go walk into the woods with some corrugated steel and some duct tape. And some Inca Cola boxes, and you've got a house, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. Yeah. That that's that's how most people live there. I, I I've seen it too. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like these shanty towns. It's just you know. I mean, so you know, like the, you know, it it, it is relative. I mean, not to to kind of. I'm not no pun intended because we were just talking about the theory. But but I mean, yeah. you know, it it. it but I, I do agree with you that everybody's hurt is the same. Just because just it's not our place to judge whether someone should be depressed or hurt. And that's another thing I learned in, in AA or program recovery that, that, that something that stuck with me is that, yes, even if like, you know, the power goes out and you can't make cookies that day, that that's real to you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is it as real as like being in a war zone? No, no, but it still hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, people hurt. Your hurt is, is even though, you know, like, you know, like I've never, I wasn't molested as a kid. But I had things that hurt me as a kid. But someone who's molested, they, they that might still hurt them. Yeah, you know that's that's probably most people probably think that that was that's a worse thing. But it doesn't make the feeling any different. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the point you were kind of making, right? The like feeling. All these, all our conversations can round, round, go round and round back to each other because the feeling. I can bring it right back to um, how I can make more money at work by how am I making these customers feel by the words I'm choosing to use? Because at the end of the day. Um, you might not know exactly what was said or how a situation transpired, but you will always know the feeling that you got from that interaction. Absolutely. And that's what, yeah. that's what like sticks the most. So I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. It is. And that, that relates to everything. And that's, and that, again, that, that's 
kind of what I was talking about with with music, with emotion. Mm-hmm. What you're doing with, with 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 music, what makes good music is you're is you're you're controlling someone's emotion while they're listening to your story. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to do that effectively that are just like writing an effective story. The imagination, the imaginative part of music or writing or the creative part is a small part. It's, it's important, but, but percentage wise, if you want to break things that look at things in percentages, I'm not going to look at exact percentages because we can't, but it's not a very big percentage of what goes into making a good work of art is, but it's, it's the maybe arguably most important, the imagination. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's the uniqueness of it. But that's a small part. Most of it are, are very fundamental, objective things that they're techniques. Do you know what I mean? And and there's techniques. There's there's ways that people that do you know the difference between a a film score and a soundtrack? A film score would be basically the the uh, the soundtrack to the room, the scene, like you know, so like the clicking, clacking, and all that, right? Well. It could be, but but all, more specifically, a soundtrack is. And now these are also colloquial terms, really. But but you know what we come to kind of that, that's. I don't know that a, a dictionary would define it as such. But in 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 our popular kind of like vocabulary, the soundtrack typically refers to the songs that are in movies with lyrics, like pop tunes, like a popular song, yeah, yeah, like, like a rock tune. And the soundtrack, or I'm sorry, the the, the film um, score. The film score is actually the instrumental score that plays that that dictates the emotion of the movie, right? Like it could be the opening yeah. theme, like Star Wars, da 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 da. But all those like little things, the music helps you know how you're supposed to feel, whether you realize that or not. When it's suspenseful, it gets suspenseful, right? Mm-hmm. The music gets tense. When it's happy, it's like when everybody's in love, then you hear like the the violins playing, mm-hmm. right? It elicits yep. an emotional response, and so if you can control that, if you understand that, and if you can do that quickly, that's why. A couple of years ago, I really started getting into how film composers, how composers that, that compose score music to, to movies, what, what kind of progressions they chose because what they do is they they don't have time. Like if you have a pop tune, you got three minutes to tell your story and you got three minutes to take people on a ride. Yeah. But if you're watching it, you got like a second to go from happy to bad. Do you know what I mean? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. and so composers have to do these radical shifts in emotion. If you can incorporate that in regular pop music that people listen to, you can, you can, you, you've got them. You've, you've got them in the palm of your hand if you control the emotive content of your music and you control the reaction. Again, it's using Hegelian dialectics, right? Here's what you have. Your song is, is the thesis. The people listening to it, their reaction to it is the antithesis. The synthesis is the result. You want them to like your song, right? So if you know, if you take them on an emotional ride quickly and you don't waste their time and you get to the point, they, they are going to at least respect you they're going to understand you. They might, you might not be their favorite. Mm-hmm. Aesthetically, they might not like the way your voice sounds. Like I said, they might like your clothes. Mm-hmm. They might like the way your drums sound. But there's nothing objective that they can really criticize you or dislike you for. You know what I mean? If you take care of everything that you can take care of, like a, a tautology, you've got no flaws in your fundamental rhythms. You've got no clashes. That's how I can say with, with honesty. Like I, you know, take a band like the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that they're terribly interesting. I mean, they're, they're they're but they're but there's nothing that I can say that there's nothing wrong with their music. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's it's perfectly functional music, mm-hmm. and people that like it, I understand why. Like I, to me, I just I think they're bands that do that kind of music that are a bit more interesting to me that that's all you know what i mean it's, yeah. you know but but there's nothing that i can really objectively say they're terrible there's no they're of course they're not terrible lots of people like them you know what i mean and they've taken they've kind of done that you know what i mean now a band that does that in in my opinion maybe it has a little bit more imagination are the truly great bands 
You know, the Beatles still do the same thing. If you look at the Beatles' music, you know, even the, even the dorky songs are fundamentally perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. Do you know what I mean? There's no, it, if you don't like a Beatles song, it's because you just don't like the way they sound. Yeah. It's, it's, the, object, it's the subjective. You know what I mean? And that's what I kind of try to do with really my everything, my life. Like, you know, the impressions, the way I want to be in life. You know what I mean? I want, I want to make sure I, I've, it's always, it's been a goal of mine since I was a teenager, uh, that if someone doesn't like me, it's their fault. I'm serious. Yeah. And I think you can do that without being atypical. I'm just saying like, I, I want to make sure, now I'm not always successful in doing this. I'm just saying my goal is to make sure that I treat people with respect, that I don't do something that might make someone dislike me. Do you know what I mean? Like if I take care of all that, then they can still dislike me, but it, I've done all I can do. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. by, by not being a jerk and being respectful and things, just the typical things that 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 would make you appealing to someone. You know what I mean? Just yeah. just because it's life is easier that way. You know what I mean? Like when you're nice, it's easier. Mm-hmm. It just it just is. And then also relates to what I've done. You know, like the teaching music. I mentioned that to you the other day. It, yeah, I played music my whole life longer than I've been teaching it. But what I really enjoy more is teaching it. Like I said, because I, I, I really don't consider myself a music teacher. I, I, I teach people. You know it's what I mean? Di- yeah, it's a different connection with mm-hmm. with the individual. You're you're relating to this person because it's it's a one on one lesson, right? So mm-hmm. you're getting to really know this person. Whereas if you're performing for someone, you're well, you're performing for a group, and you're 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 really just there are along for for your ride whereas um the one-on-one lesson is more of a shared um journey yeah and and like you said it's much much more intimate because you're not i'm not dividing my attention between however many people are in an audience mm-hmm. right i've got like you said one person yeah and it's funny i don't know if this is so much my personality or just the role or a little of both it's probably a little of both i think people have always kind of felt comfortable talking to me about all their problems but as a as a music teacher at least in my experience, over the last 30, almost gosh, 34 years, you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. of doing this in one way or another, uh, that I do become their therapist. Most of my students, it's pretty rare if I have a student that doesn't open up. use me as a therapist. It's that same thing like the bartender, the hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just you're the one that's there. They're comfortable with you. You know what I mean? And, and you know, and I, I get my students comfortable pretty quickly just because it's, you know, I, I'm pretty honest, you know, because that can be intimidating with a teacher at first, that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, because first of all, it takes some humility to admit that you need help with something, right? And, that, yeah. and that's not always fun, especially for young guys. You know, young guys, you know, teenagers, they want to be taken seriously. And I, I remember what that's like to be a young guy. That's It's a little different kind of, you kind of have to kind of fight a little. They, that's why young guys kind of overdo it a little. They just want to be taken seriously. They want to know that their ideas, they have good ideas and it's a, just a different way. It's just younger guys just seem like they have to really kind of speak a little louder to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and that's a natural thing. But, you know, so yeah, so it does take uh, it does take some humility just to come through the door and, and ask for help. You know what I mean? With something, right? And, yeah. and, and you know, when and then also it, it's, it's, it can be embarrassing, you know, something that you don't know. But I very quickly try to disarm them just because I know how to do something that they don't. It's not because I'm smarter. No. I've just been doing it longer. Like that, you, I've just had more time. It's just it's you know? knowledge, and you're not going to know everything. No, and and knowledge is just what you've accumulated. It's funny that you mentioned that. You you know, intelligence is really your aptitude. You know what I mean? Your ability <laughs> to learn and retain and and recite. And, yeah, yeah, and understand. You know what yeah. I mean? What you're learning, right? And 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 so, 
you know, your knowledge doesn't impress me. That just means, I mean, now it's not uncommon for those to have a strong link. Like generally people that have good memories and can understand what they're reading tend to be smart people, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily the case. I mean, it, but it, you know, it, 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 it helps, right? But the knowledge is just what you've, 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 you've acquired. That's just what's in your bank. Yeah, you, and you know there, what I mean? there's different types of knowledge too. Like everybody always talks about book smart and street smart. I mean, growing up in D.C., you, you had to be, you know, street smart real quick. Yeah, you just won't have anything. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, just forget when I was a kid, be out of toys instrument. You know what I mean? Like just, or you're as an adult, you're, 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 there's people are going to make dollars off you. Whatever you have, you're going to lose. You know what I mean? Like you're going to give it away. I'm just, I'm just telling you that's you. So you're absolutely right. You learn street smarts pretty quick. I mean, I, I never thought that I was going to get killed as a kid. Probably because I just was not smart enough to realize how close I came to getting killed a couple of times. Do you know what I mean? It's like, do you know what I mean? Just because everybody does. It's a yeah, city. Yeah. There's just stuff there that can kill you. Not just on purpose, but just falling off the metro. You know, I got stuck in it one time. And that's what they call the subway there. Oh, and my mom couldn't hear me calling her. I was probably four years old. And I, I got my foot stuck in between the metro and the platform. And they're electric there. And the first, right underneath my foot, would have been about four feet under my foot, is the power line for the train. And it's like 2,600 volts. I would have died immediately. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? As soon as that, well, first of all, as soon as the train took off, it would have. Or worked. you could have become Thor. Thor, I know. <laughs> oh, man, if all, maybe I should have, maybe I, but some woman just noticed me and just yanked me out of there. Like just, wow. just a reaction. You know what I mean? I was, mom, mom. You know, I was like, like I said, I couldn't have been more than four. We took the metro everywhere. You know, like yeah. just, that's what people do. And, uh, but yeah, there's some some just random woman just 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 grabbed my arm and just yanked me out, you know, like just just real quick before the train took off, you know. Wow. And so, anyway, yeah. So just there's just more stuff, you know, more more ways that you can make mistakes, you fall off a building, you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. you don't see many buildings that are you know 22 stories high here, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that just stuff happens, you know. And so, but yeah, so you know, and you do you do grow up and it's just it's just it's just what you just it's just one of the things that's required. I don't think it's really special. You know what I mean? Like there, it's just a, if you if you're gonna exist, you're gonna need some street smarts. If you're gonna get by, yeah, yeah, that's the bare minimum. That's yeah. that's your baseline. So that's in like the that's at the bottom of the triangle. You need yeah. street smart, food, shelter. Yeah, yeah. It just it just you know like you, you just no one stays there for very long without getting it. it yeah. It's you know what I mean. It's just just you can't. You just you just can't. You know. That's just so funny. My wife, you know, seeing her like when we first got together, you know, talked to these people that were obviously just begging. I don't have a problem with people begging for money at all. You know what I mean? I grew up with it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But, you know, don't lie to me. You know what I mean? It's like your girlfriend's been four months pregnant every single month that I come here. Like, like this is seriously like you've been doing this for a year, bro. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's not four months pregnant. You guys are on meth. Like, that's fine. I'll give you two bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, just can it with the story. That's why you said like, people in D.C. are just honest, man. Like I'm serious, man. Like there's a there's a guy who lived in Georgetown. You ever heard of George Georgetown's like a part of DC, right? Yep, yep, yep. And so right across the river from uh Virginia, right on the Virginia side, across Georgetown is Langley, Virginia, right? Where the Pentagon. FBI had well, Pe- where, Pentagon. Pentagon is in um in Pentagon City, but but it, it's on the other side. Oh, so yeah, but, CIA, but yeah, 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 yeah the right. yeah. Um yeah, CIA headquarters right there. It's right there on the GW Park where you, I passed it every morning. You know what I mean? Like, uh, at one point in my life, uh, driving to work. And so, uh, but, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Georgetown. Yeah. This guy, he just had a sign on his chest that said, look, I need money for drugs and alcohol. 
And he, he people just sure. <laughs> fi- thank you. Finally, you know what I mean. Like just, just, just. Isn't that a Mitch Hedberg like joke punchline? Maybe that's where he got it from. I guess. Yeah. But he was he was there, and he just lived on the. He was just the, the guy like in Georgetown that would just walk up and down like on Friday nights, and all the people yeah. at bars because Georgetown. In more later, not so much when my father was younger, but uh, it's pretty fancy. That's a pretty expensive part of town now. That's where Georgetown University is, and oh, okay. it's in the bars there. You know, like the more they're just nicer. Do you know what I mean? Like the restaurants and bars, it's just a nicer part it's of town. Upscaled, yeah. yeah. And the houses are expensive. I mean, they're expensive. Two million, three, you wouldn't tell it just because real estate's so much, the economy is so much different than DC. But yeah. what looks like, what would look like to us, like maybe a $200,000 house would be more like $800,000 in DC, like just a regular house. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's just, yeah. that's just the economy's different. You make more, you spend more, you know, it, it, we mm. st- everybody lives, lives the same way, you know? Um, like my little tiny house, the last one, that I lived at with my ex-wife. We bought that in 2006. It was like the very end of 2006. It was a $327,000 house. That was tiny. It was a tiny little row house. It was a two-bedroom, one-bathroom. Damn. And that's just, that's what things, and it, that was incredibly cheap for D.C. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, friends of ours had one in Capitol Hill. He works for the Fed. He's a PhD uh, economist, this guy that, one of the girls that we grew up with married at the same time he bought that he bought a million a one and a half million dollar row house mm-hmm. in capitol hill that that when i was a kid was a dump that's where they dealt crack they they it was one of the first neighborhoods to get gentrified because yeah. i remember being like this these are a million and a half dollars well first of all they these are clean now and they have windows and i was like <laughs> oh my god they're a million and a half bucks like like that this is where people used to die like like do you know what i mean like it was the garbage it, that that was the first southeast dc when i was a kid historically was where the drug dealers where cops didn't even bother going that's where the projects were the, the way that the dc projects are arranged and i think in other cities too like chicago is like this too uh, detroit the project housing is arranged kind of in a maze so and it's done that to kind of keep them in but so they don't come and bother other people i mean it's it's very insidious you know yeah, what i mean yeah yeah but also what that does is cops just don't go in because they get trapped. There's no death penalty in D.C. So killing a cop is nothing what? For, for in D.C. No, it, 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 cops get killed all the time. Drug dealers, when I was a kid in Southeast, drug dealers, it was like, it, Southeast D.C. was almost like its own autonomous zone. Yeah. Where where the, the, the highest ranking drug dealer was basically the mayor of that part of town. Wow. Cops didn't even go in. It just wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? Like they you know what I mean? It's just they'd get stuck, they get trapped, they couldn't find you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. just it just it just wasn't now I don't think that's like that. The again, the gentrification of that part of town started almost twenty years ago and hasn't stopped. So I don't think anything's really much like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um uh but that's certainly how it was when I was a kid, and I knew this guy, a, 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 a guy that was very good friends with a with a, someone that I grew up with, was a drug dealer for a while, uh, and his boss was was was. Uh, he told me like basically the hierarchy. It's like in the movies, kind of like you know he had a hierarchy. He said, "Look, mm-hmm. you just put out a a text, you know, a message like this guy needs to get got tonight. First one gets him, gets gets the gets gets paid. You know what I mean? So he basically had like." This guy that my friend worked for had a bunch of guys like my friend, you know, my my friend through a friend, basically, like just regular dealers that you'd go and you'd buy drugs from, like not like not not a lot. Like he wasn't like a big time trafficker. He was just your regular dealer at the hung up at strip clubs. Yeah. You know what gotcha. I mean? Mm-hmm. So he had like twenty guys like that that worked for him. But he also had like ten guys that were like gunmen that worked for him. And that just they would just scatter. When he'd need someone taken care of, they would scatter. 
<laughs> I hope this guy's not listening, dude. Like, I, I don't know if this guy's still active, dude. I shouldn't be. This, this, you know what I mean? Like, so you these, haven't had any names. No, that's true. That's I've done that. That's on purpose because the guy that the drug dealer got out of that and actually really turned his life around. He never he never was a drug user, but he was a degenerate ass drug dealer, like a cutthroat jerk. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And then he just got the crap beat out of him one night and and just almost died you know had brain surgery wow. and then turned his life around went and reconnected with the father went back to school got a good job nothing you wouldn't even recognize that he was like a real that deep yeah. yeah you know what i mean and so uh did you did you get into any any other, anything else other than alcohol oh yeah like not not like a lot like alcohol was always the thing for me like i smoked a lot of pop when i was a kid mm-hmm. um a very brief period of time, I I did cocaine kind of regularly, just for about a nine month period. I think when I was about thirty, but that was really just so I could drink more. You know, <laughs> honestly, like I, I, you know, I mean, it was it, yeah. literally. I mean, it was really just that. I mean, I wasn't. It was yeah, just 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 uh, really that yeah, because I could it allowed me to stay up and I could drink more alcohol. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that that was really just you know, but but you know, I, I wouldn't say that nothing to like um. No, no, like a serious meth or crack or never tried any of that. No, I was kind of lucky with meth. Meth is something that has was not on the East Coast really when I was a kid. That that's uh-huh. something that that that's made its way from the West over towards the East. You know what I mean? Like it started really like in in the sixties. Uh, that's how the Hell's Angels initially started making money. Mm-hmm. Became you know went from just like a regular club to like a money making organization. Was trafficking meth through California and then to these Western states and getting it inward. And so I grew up with a crack and heroin epidemic. Yeah. So I knew enough about that. At least I did a little research. I was getting to that age where I started getting curious about that. You know, like I, I, I knew enough that, you know, that no matter with opiates and crack, which is kind of like, it's not an opiate, but it has that similar this effect that I'm going to mention. With opiates, you don't have to have an addict. You don't have to be an addict to get addicted to opiates. It, those it has are, a physical grab. Yeah, those are the kind of medications that it's a guarantee if you take them more than just a few times, you will become dependent in some manner. Yeah, you can stop. You know what I mean? But it's but it, again that 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 those drugs like like a morphine drip, like people that are dying, like my, when my wife's father passed away last year, and you know once they get that morphine in the hospice, that's there's zero coming back from that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the end. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like and so it doesn't matter if you're addicted to personality or not. So no, I but I. I knew enough about that to just stay away from that. You know what I mean? So I, but so, you know, when I was younger, um, my, uh, first wife and I, we, we did acid over a year and a half period of time. We probably did acid maybe eight or nine times. I think that's enough for that. Like that acid is so strong. It's, you know, as far as hallucinogens go, that's one of those things I think you really don't have to do once or twice. It it Mm -hmm. doesn't really change. Like mushrooms are different. Like that's, that's a more natural thing. And, and, it acid's just kind of like, like the super, like the crack version of that. Do you know what I mean? It's just a super intense. Although you, I, I couldn't see someone getting addicted to hallucinogens. I, I just don't think that. I don't think your brain allows it. No, no. You, you'd go nuts. You'd go crazy. Like, like literally. Like, I just don't think that your perception. It's so different, you know. But yeah, I think I was just fortunate that crystal meth was not really something that I had ever heard of until much later. I mean, even I'd never seen it. It was funny when I first got here. Back home, there's these. Uh, let me just grab my water real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, there are commercials like anti-crack and anti-heroin commercials. And mm-hmm. then when I moved out here, 
I, I, I saw anti-meth commercials, right? Like, don't do meth, yeah, kids. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. This could be you. You know, and it was like, I was like, oh, wow, it's so different. Like, it's like nobody even does this back home yet. It's, mm-hmm. but, um, but I'd known that it was a Western thing that's moved its way inward. I mean, yeah. now, it's, again, I haven't lived back, I haven't even visited back home in 11 years. So, so I'm sure, I, I shouldn't say I'm sure, I, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if yeah. it was rampant there. But mm-hmm. when I was there, it was, and I, I was just talking to Thomas the other day that I also was just a little too old to get into ecstasy. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like that was kind because of... Because of the scene. Yeah. yeah, and by the time people really started doing that, I was already out of high school. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and so... So, you know, I, I, but I, I certainly did the things that people did that were my age, you know what I mean? Like, which was, you know, back then was, was, uh, you know, my, uh, primarily marijuana and acid and mushrooms. And occasionally someone might have a little Coke. I, like the first time I ever, I tried a little Coke one time when I was like 19, but I didn't do it again for, uh, I think almost 10 years. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just tried, I didn't really like, I didn't like, never really like stuff that sped me up, you know, again, yeah. is what is when, you know, I, I wasn't always you know, alcoholism does progress. And so when I was 15, I was an alcoholic, but I, I wasn't drinking anywhere near as much as I did by the time I was 40, after 25 years of being an alcoholic. I love that, yeah. Yeah, when I was 15, I could drink eight beers. And, and, and you know, but by the time I was 40, it, it turned into like 24 to, to 30 and a bottle of liquor and stuff like that. Yep, yep. And I hit it, I hit it pretty well. It's funny, I remember the first time when I was, uh, I think I was probably 31 or 32, about your age, First time I ever got DTs. I didn't know what I didn't know what's going on. Do you know what I mean? I had no idea. I thought I was having a heart attack. Do you know what I mean? I woke up one morning and I was just tense. Like I'd like my heart was pounding through my chest. Mm-hmm. I was like, couldn't take a deep breath. I was just freaking out. You know what I mean? And like yeah. I, and so I drove myself to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack. You know what I mean? Like, like I thought something was going on. And um and you know, knew nothing really about I mean, I knew a lot about alcoholism, but I thought I was way too young for something like that at that point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like the people in my family that had the yeah, I've known since I was 20 or even 18 that one day I was going to end up quitting drinking. I just knew that I had a couple decades. Do you know what I mean? I just, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to be that. I wasn't, I, when I was 18, why would someone who's 18 quit drinking? There's, you've got nothing, you haven't even lost anything yet. You know, you're not even going to appreciate it. That's a, yeah. In fact, I actually recommend programs of recovery. I recommend young people don't even bother with them. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I know that sounds funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless it's like like heroin or something because a younger a young person that goes to that quits drinking is going to start drinking again. It's just it, your life is not messed up enough yet at 21. Yeah. You just it it just you just you can't. You just you haven't lived long enough to mess like real stuff up, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So what? So you, so your girlfriend, your stupid little girlfriend dumped you that you dated for one week. I mean, you're a kid, you know what I mean? You haven't lost your job. You haven't lost like a real wife that you've been with for 15 years. Mm-hmm. You haven't like, I'm, you haven't lost, I, I'm just speaking general. You haven't lost your kids. You haven't gone to jail. You yeah. know what I mean? Like people, you go to a rooms, people have got, you want to talk about people with real problems, man. You know what I mean? I mean, people that have oh the IRS hundreds of thousands of dollars are in jail for oh oh back child support again tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars have no chance of seeing their kids have screwed their lives up you know what I mean and yeah. the only thing they hang their hat on is they're not drinking today you yeah. know what I mean yeah. and it's like so you know you just don't get to that point at twenty two I'm sorry man <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. you still you're still young and cute at that point like if anything you just get someone you can con someone to taking care of you for at least a couple of weeks yeah you know what I mean like it's like no no you've you've not run out of, you've not hit rock bottom yet 
uh, more power to them if they do. And some do for years, but it's, it's just, you just, you, it's one of those things that you just, you're ready for it. You, you, you know, when I was ready, I just was just, it was just my time. I just, I, I, I just, I accepted. I knew it would happen. I knew that I, I'd known ever since pretty much my first drink, I knew how it made me feel and I knew how all of my family was pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I just knew it was just a matter of, you know, at some point it's just going to be one of those things I can't do anymore. Just like at some point, uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, it's likely that any number of things I won't be able to do like I used to, you yeah. know, like I already can't, you know what I mean? I do the, some of the things that I used to do, you know, like, you know, I'm, I never was a real big person to begin with and I can carry even less than I used to. I hate carrying stuff now. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's just, you know, but that's just part of, and you know, what's so weird with me. It happens always two months before something significant. Like I stopped growing two months before my, my 13th birthday. And then my knee started hurting two months before my third, my 35th birthday. And then two months in August, this past year, all of a sudden my back started hurting. Like, like all it's, it's, I've always been like that. Like, it's just weird. Like with my body's pretty regular, like, like these milestones, it just, just, it just happens. And then, yeah, it's just, and now it, I could still, I could still like squat down. It just, it's more of a process. It's more preparation that goes into it now. Like yeah. I don't just squat down with like willy nilly without thinking about how I'm going to get without getting up. There's got to be like a, like a, like an exit strategy here. I can't just stay on the ground all day. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I got to make sure I can get up, which requires me to be near something I can grab if I have to and make sure that my back is straight when I go to squat down. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's different now, you know, but anyway, that's boring people with my age and I'm sounding like, like all the other, old idiots that I used to hate listening to when I was younger. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's funny how dumb your parents are when you're a teenager and how smart they are the older you get. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't it you funny? You start relying on them again. It's that there's that period where like you, I know everything. Yeah. And then, I don't know, late twenties, thirties or something like that. Most people will kind of start to rely on their parents again. Yeah. For and information. I, it, yeah, and also to another thing too, that's where all the forgiveness comes, you know what I mean? I think people have a tendency to like view their parents as having to be perfect or why why should, you know, they're the adults, they should know better or they're the adults or they're the ones that chose to have kids so they should be perfect and that's not the way things are. Nope. So I think another thing too, like that time, that, that age you mentioned too, I started, not that I had a lot of grudges, you know, I my my... I didn't have a bad child. I, there was never a time in my life where I, I ever wasn't a hundred percent positive. Both my parents loved me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never, I, I always had unconditional love for my parents. You know what I mean? I didn't always like them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we didn't always get along, you know what I mean? And, but I didn't really have a lot of resentments, but I think what really made me kind of understand just that your parents, just because your parents doesn't mean that they're any different than you is when I started being the age that my parents were when I remember things they did. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and that's yeah. that age. Like, like I told you, my father was 24 when I was born. My mother was a month away from her 22nd birthday. So, you know, I remember my mom being 26, 27, 25, 26, 27. I remember my parents being young people, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And very, very vividly, you know what I mean? Like being a, and, uh, you know, once I got to be, I was like, man, I am, <laughs> anything but together oh my god like like not only i'm not together but i'm getting worse you know what yeah. i mean like i'm getting more into drinking I'm, I'm 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 getting asked to not do things you know what i mean like you know what I mean? you know what i'm saying it's yeah. like like not only so i was like oh my gosh like okay when okay when my father was 28 he had a six-year-old no a four-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I had no problems like like that. I had nothing that you know, my dogs depended on me, but even then, I just let them out once a day and give them food. Like it yeah. wasn't like nothing. Nothing relied on me. Like other than my students wanted to learn from me. But I mean, if I died, nothing would have happened. You know what I mean? Like I would. You know, like like no one would have missed out if I. You know what I mean? They would. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. yeah I wouldn't have. You know. So I was just thinking, geez, man. All all I do is drink and play music. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god my dad actually had to support me you know what i mean like that's crazy i was like man if i don't make money i just wait until next month where i make money again like i, yeah. I just i i'm just got myself to if i spend all my money on some instrument or something that just means i just don't buy something else i, I was like yeah i was like oh my god you know like and i started really thinking about that and really again another thing that i kind of passed on to my students and you know why should they have to take years to learn the stuff that took me years to learn my teachers didn't you know, my teacher learns. My teachers learn stuff over the course of a lifetime that they told me in five minutes. That's the benefit of having a teacher. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, you know, it's that's how I am with my students. Like I said, they, you know, I always let them know that it's it's, it's your lesson. If you've got something that you want to work on specifically, then we'll do that, right? And uh, if not, I'll just work on. I'll, I'll suggest something I think you should work on and see if you want to do that. Now, oftentimes. What I think someone should work on has nothing in there. Uh, they they might not even realize how it has to do with music. It, mm-hmm. it have nothing mm-hmm. to do with, at least on the surface, like with music. Yeah. But it does ultimately everything relates to it because it's going to make them a better person. You yeah. know what I mean? But if I think someone's really lacking in some historical knowledge, then we're going to talk about history. I do it all the time. You know what I mean? And, and my students are fine with it because when they want to do something, it also motivates them. If they don't want to hear, they don't want to have a history lesson. They better think of a song they want to learn how to play next time. You know what I mean? If you come in with nothing, you yeah. might not like what you get. You know what I mean? Like you might sit here and we're going to talk about, you know, all the factors that led up to the civil war and what a bunch of baloney we've been taught about that. And we might talk about, you know, the fact, whatever, like it's that if you don't have something, it's up to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you should know it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and it's like, but, 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 you know, so it doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? I, I've got a lot of students and I got a lot of people to talk to. And I got cats. And uh, according to my wife, I'm fairly enamored with the sound of my own voice. So I'm going to talk regardless of who's listening. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and I already know this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, yeah, wherever you want to spend it. Yeah, I'll briefly about art. You mentioned arguing. You know how you win every argument? Uh, like, uh, how do you win-win? Or how do you like yeah. make sure the argument's over? No. Just how you can absolutely 100% every single time win every argument you're in. What is it, John? You don't argue about anything you're not 100% sure you're right about, that you can't prove quickly. It's that easy. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's so stupid. Like, if you're telling me, if I know something, right? Like, I told you, I, I met Joe Thiasman. I told you that Washington won the Super Bowl after the 1982 season. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the world that anybody could tell me that would make me not believe that. Because I watched that. I, was, I even went to a game that, you've, oh, this was awesome. Best day of my life was that year. One of the best days that I ever had my father off get to in a moment. Remind me, because it's hilarious. Right. Anyway, you try to tell me that happened in 1983. We're fighting until I prove it to you. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. But it, other than that, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. There's no reason. Why Why would I do that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, in, in, is that cheating? No. I just choose not to argue something that I don't know what I'm talking about. Why would I argue that? Well, don't argue with fools. Yeah, or just even... Well, I'd be the fool if I was arguing about something I wasn't 100% sure I was right about. Yeah. I don't argue about people's opinions. I'm not going to argue with that. But if you tell me a fact, if you tell me the Battle of Hastings... 
was in 1067 and not 1066, then we're, I'm going to, I'm just going to basically, I'm going to say, look, do you want to lose this right now? Or do you want to talk about it for an hour? Yeah. I mean, I can look it up and just show you, you can lose it in 10 seconds if you want. Well, with the, maybe it might take me four minutes yeah, without yeah, while I use my phone today. <laughs> but, but, you know, but that's, I don't know. I just, that, that kind of occurred to me as like, that's, that's like kind of a debating technique. Do you know what I mean? Again, mm-hmm. it kind of falls in line with you keeping control. Even if you're nice to customers, and see, this is where manipulation techniques aren't always bad. And this is something that my teacher taught me, Paul, you know, the one that, that really spent the more emotional stuff, like the more spiritual, if you will, the kind of what we, the ability that we have, we have the ability to do a lot of stuff. And we have the ability as humans to, to, to essentially, to really manipulate and control our, our reality and the world around us much more than we realize, most of us realize. And if you use those techniques, if you understand this and you use psychological techniques of manipulation for a good purpose, it's fine. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I use psychological manipulation techniques all the time to get kids to understand how to do stuff. Not because I want them to do it, but just you have to find a way to to relate, to get them to understand. I'm not doing anything because I'm only manipulating them. I'm only manipulating their brain to work in a logical way. Mm -hmm. That's it. Do you know what I mean? Now, and he said, bad things will happen if you use this stuff for bad. You know what I mean? It's like, again, just like magic. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not really magic. What we're doing, I'm not suggesting that we have the, you know, certain psychic abilities or anything like that. I'm just saying there's things, there's ways that you can control every situation. Always. Yeah. You know what I mean? Always. And if you know that... Or you it, can actually just stack the cards in your favor. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as long as it's for a noble purpose, there's nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, there's nothing. What's wrong with me tricking a kid into learning a scale? <laughs> I mean, he's going to like the scale. Like, you know what I mean? It's not going to hurt him. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? He'll either never use it or know how to use it. It's never, it's either neutral or positive. Yeah. I'm never hurting anybody. You know what I mean? Like when I do things like that, it's just, it's just mostly, it's, I'm, I'm just trying to get things to happen quicker, Qu- quicker, <laughs> more quickly. You know what I mean? Even with, you know, people I play with and stuff, you know, like little things, little yeah. things I'll drop, little hints, little things I'll say. It's because I know how they'll react to it. I know how they'll take it. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, it, you know, I don't think that's being, it's not, it's being manipulative in a sec, in a, in a sense without a negative connotation. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just understanding what I can, can do to help something, you know, that that's kind of what I, the way I look at it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not really, again, not, not, not really placing a value judgment on that. I, you know, I would never manipulate someone for a, a nefarious purpose, you know, or, you know, like a malicious way, you know, I yeah. wouldn't, you know what I mean? I, 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 you know, again, that, that goes against how Paul taught me, you know what I mean? And, and it goes against how you, if you understand this stuff, you don't do it for a bad purpose and you can't be a jerk. It, it just, it just doesn't work. It, it ultimately doesn't work. I know it sounds funny and I know it sounds hokey and it sounds hippie. And I know I was raised by hippies. A little bit of karma. Yeah. But, but, but it's so true. And, and I see that more and more the older I get, and the more I really realize that when you do play music, you really are just playing yourself. You're telling your story on your instrument, no matter what type of music you're playing. And if your story's nothing but a bunch of jerk stuff, no one wants to listen to that. You can't. It's impossible. You cannot be. You can't be a gigantic jerk. I mean, you can have flaws. I'm not saying you have to be a perfect mm-hmm. person. And which is also funny too. My students, when they 
realize I do regular people stuff. I think my, I think students have a tendency to put their teachers on pedestals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and think that I just go somewhere when I'm not teaching them lessons. I'm off on somewhere on Superstition Mountain meditating. And you know what I mean? Like like this with my legs like in you know in lotus position. No, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm watching TV. I'm reading articles. I eat food. I eat cheeseburgers. Yeah. And once I'm another guy studied with Paul. And one guy I went to school with. I said, you got to study with Paul. You know, if you want to work on your training, best guy I know for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, he was this kid. This friend of mine, Austin, you know, we were kids. We were kids at the time. Uh, you know, so he started, loved him. So I studied with him, studied with him for a while. Did this throw off the levels? No. It didn't sound better. Okay, good. Okay. Um, but I remember one time he got there early and Paul was still finishing dinner. He's like, yeah, I was so surprised. He was just like sitting on his couch, eating a cheeseburger, watching TV. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, he's he's a person, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like he just happens to be good at teaching music. I mean, it's... He still does everything else that we do, yeah. you know. He hopefully, you know yeah. what I mean, ostensibly. It's just, it's just kind of funny. It's, it's funny. My students are always surprised that I watch like stupid movies like Hot Rod. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, you're not serious all the time." And just yeah, on when this you're art- having these serious conversations, like every time they're in class, like trying to teach them about history, and, and then you're like, "Oh, yeah, I just watched the uh, the Mass Singer or something." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, they, what? Like, wait, you know, it's like it seems like yeah, it seems like there's like a. Uh, you know, a disconnect or something. That happens. Like, as, you know, when you're in elementary school and you see your teacher only at school and then you happen to run into them at the grocery store, you're like, wait, what? Don't you live at the school? Like, yeah. You know, when you're yeah. a kid, you think your teacher just lives at the school, right? I know. Yeah. They're all, I know. It's just funny. It also, too, reminds me, too. One, one thing that I cannot stand this is the pet peeve. I have no reason to get upset at this. And I understand why people say this. Yeah. But my least favorite. My, my, my Ho- least hopefully fa- it's something I've said like 20 times today I'm, who not, no no but my least favorite phrase in the in, 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 in any language that I understand <laughs> is that it was a simpler time back then that's the biggest load of garbage there's never been a time when no. earth has been simple the only thing that was simple was you moron yeah, because you were, you were four and like, oblivious yes like and because you could like and like you had no choice because we're four yeah. or five or six I mean I remember the first time the first time this the, when I was six years old Three things happened within a few months of each other that was the first time that I understood really what death was about. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Okay, my father's younger brother passed away at 27 from just decimating his body with pills and alcohol for yeah. so long. Do you know what I mean? Just massive liver failure. Just my father was the one that like discovered him like that. And uh, okay. so that was in August. And then December, night John Lennon was assassinated in 1980, right? Yeah. And then in January, Ronald Reagan was attempted to be assassinated oh, by Mark David Chapman. So right, bam, 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 as a six-year-old person with no concept before really of really what death was. I knew that death was a thing that happened, Yeah. but I didn't know anybody who died. You know what I mean? I, I, I'd never, not, no one in my family had died. No one close to me had died. Oh, and one more. I, it's the same year, right after Scott, my father's brother passed away in September, my mom's first cousin, Donnie, was a test pilot in the Navy in those vertical takeoff and landing jets. Mm-hmm. The original ones, the Harriers, crashed all the time. He died in a crash. Oh, so, so he died. It, and that was all bam, bam, bam. So like within the span of you know, five months, I experienced my first deaths. You know what I mean? Like all right there. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and so I remember... And everybody else's reactions to that death, to those deaths. Yeah, yeah. So it was just, and not nothing scarring about it, but it was just, just very abruptly. It just out of nowhere, you know. Like it just, again, it just seemed like this kind of foreign concept to me. And then, oh, this is really, it's, it's, it's. This is forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's no more John Lennon songs. 
Do you know what I mean? It's like my, you know, like, you know, I used to just take, you know, when I was a kid, I would take my parents' albums and A-tracks and their LPs and mostly just play them. If I didn't know them, like who the artist was, I would just play one that had a cool album cover. You know, that that would initially, I would just, oh, let me hear what this sounds like. If I didn't yeah. like it, I'd try a different one. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the Beatles, it's so, Beatles and Stevie Wonder, you know, my mom was more into kind of like Motown sound and my father was more like into the more rock type stuff. And yeah. so, you know, those those two artists, you know, the Beatles and Stevie Wonder, I, I again, artists I don't ever remember not knowing who they were or what their voices sound like instantly. You know what I mean? That's just been a part of my life since I came. I, it's, it predates me being aware of being alive, you know, right? Yeah. And uh, so, um, where was I going with that? I'm sorry, I'm losing. I'm getting old, dude. I'm like forgetting stuff, dude. Like, saying it. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom. So we're gonna need to wrap this up. But you told me to bring this back to your dad uh, at the at the national football game because they're no longer called. Oh, are we just take? Do you want to just take a second? Is this like a break? Yeah. No, no, no. Because I gotta, I gotta get going here in a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so let's do. Um, and then we'll do this again soon, obviously. Um, but the story, uh, the great, one of the greatest days of your life at the football game. Yeah, this is killer. And now, totally fun. There's nothing to really learn here. Do you know what I mean? It was just a fun day. I want to, I want to end it on a fun note. Yeah. Okay. So this is killer, right? So Washington, right? We got tickets. We always found a way to get tickets. They used to always sell out, right? It was hard to get tickets to the game but yeah. we always knew people that would give us so, so my dad and i got these tickets right and it was an important game right and washington was playing new york right so they're playing the same division so we play them twice a year lawrence taylor second year in the league was a killer player yeah. you know what yeah. i mean yeah. like it was wicked and it was snowing it was cool it was in december it was still was a super super close game and at the end of the game mark mosley kicked a field goal that simultaneously set the single season or most consecutive field goals without a miss record, won the game and sent the Redskins to the playoffs, Washington to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. It had been like six or seven years. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and so the, the game was so exciting. It was 15 to 13 and it was muddy. It was snowing. We were in the end zone and most of the game was on the far side, except for the very end. All oh, the kick was wow. on my yeah, side yeah, yeah. and the whole place went nutso. I mean, the old stadium, the Reds, uh, Washington used to play was RFK, Robert F. Kennedy stadium. And it was old and rickety and it would actually really bounce and stuff. And so I was like, <laughs> like this and it was snowing and snow coming down. Ooh. And, Right, so it, that was just killer, right? Just really fun. My dad and I had a great time. We were screaming, shouting, but even better since it was snow and people started making snowballs and have a snowball fight. So since I was little and cute and eight, right? Yeah, these girls started picking me up and using me as a human shield, and my back totally got like a bunch of boob action, like at eight <laughs> years old, dude, like just blocking snowballs. I was like, I'll do this all day, man. Snowballs don't hurt. Yeah, this feels great. You know what I mean? Like I so said, they were just passing me around, like you know, it's, oh, you're so cute, and I'm like. This is awesome. You know what I mean? I was like, yes, this is great. And my dad had to stop at his work to get a bunch of stuff. He just had his Christmas party that like two nights before. Yeah. So then I just ate all the leftover candy. It was just like wow, a kid's perfect a day. day. I mean, t- at eight years old, that's a killer day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, so yeah, my back got some for the first time. Yeah. Candy, <laughs> snow, good football. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like hanging out with my dad, which is always awesome, you yeah. know? 
Wow. <laughs> you you and your dad look back and reminisce on that day? All the time. Yeah. Like, it's just like, that's, yeah, both of us remember like everything about it. I remember even the songs that were playing like on the radio, like the, the, because my dad always listened to really hip stuff. He was still young. So he was always listening to like stuff at back then, 1982, like the cutting edge stuff, like, you know, mm. way into like talking heads and, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like Echo and the Bunny Men, these old like early 80s Bauhaus. He's like really cool you know somewhat you know different groups you know what i mean like kind of mm-hmm. stuff you know that with that that first early what they called new wave back then mm-hmm. uh, my father's really into really cool stuff you know devo you know neat, yeah, yeah. neat kind of stuff and there was a local station an independent station in washington for a long time called a whfs that everyone if anyone grew up in washington will, will recognize that instantly you know what i mean that was the station if that played to cool stuff to. yeah back then yeah but uh oh, awesome man well, thank Dude. you so much. Dude. No. This has been a lot of it's fun. Awesome. Like it's it was better than I thought, man. Like I already knew it was going to be good, <laughs> but this was this was amazing. And there's definitely some points we gotta we gotta retouch on the next time we do this. Sure, because I just uh, stuff is important. I think yeah. it's important yeah. to me. I think it's good stuff to think about. Like I I enjoy it anyway. You know, good. As long as you enjoy it, it it it, it shows and it <laughs> rubs off on other people, and definitely rubbing off on me. So, um, thanks for setting some time aside beautiful little studio you guys are working with here and uh can't wait to do it again man absolutely john palmer ladies and gentlemen (laughs) thanks man absolutely 